Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to remind you all to subscribe, like, and follow at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social medias, including YouTube and Twitch, where fully edited vodcasts are housed with exclusive clips. Remember, the more followers we get, the more we can give back to the goalkeeping community. Let's all keep paying that knowledge forward, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, you know him as a man who's drinking out of a squeezy bottle right now. The one and only <laughs> Pro GK Academy, Las Vegas Lights, goalkeeper coach, Omar Zini. And joining us today is the man on the other side of that El Trafico rivalry. We've got LA Galaxy goalkeeper, Jonathan Bond. Bondi. We're excited, man. First off, just to put a little bit of a context here, even though Omar does work for the black and gold, he mm. was LA Galaxy through and through through his entire career. Yes, I actually did know that from the uh, the <laughs> podcast that I listened to before, so that's interesting. <laughs> no, I awkward mean, I, for I you, wanna... some awkward situations to navigate <laughs> your way through, I'd imagine. I wouldn't even say it was awkward. I just think now it's just like full-blown in the office. Everyone knows that I'm a ex- I'm ex-Galaxy. I'm a Galaxy fan. Yeah. And... Yeah. I mean, if, if you're a Galaxy fan and you've seen our team progress in the last few years, you've realized one of the missing pieces was a quality goalkeeper. No, you know, shout to anybody who was there prior. But I just think that finally some stability. And, Vaughn, you're, you're doing such a great job. So, as a Galaxy fan, so much for, so much pride. And no pressure on you. Just saying that you're doing great. And continue, <laughs> oh, and continue already doing what you've done before. Well, thank you. Cheers, Omar. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, look, look, honestly, Bondi, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's been a – kind of an interesting start you know obviously for uh for la galaxy a lot of people you know they weren't sure if last year's kind of success in the bubble like how where that where that was going to go and everything like that and like now i mean you guys have had a really really solid season honestly you've been fantastic there but a lot of people out there who might not be familiar with kind of your journey you know why don't you tell them a little bit about the fact that you know you kind of came up through the watford system or we're at west brom and then finally uh made over here to mls yeah, I mean, I started at West Brom, came through that academy system, like you said there. Um, kind of got my break into the first team when I was 17, 18. But we're big on the loan system in England. So I kind of did my um, my groundwork by going to non-league. I did some non-league loans, which is really tough. You know, 17-year-old going to play with full-grown men. And then... Um, a couple of loans in League Two and League One at Dagenham and Berry and places like that, and they're all really important for my development. Um, and then eventually broke into the first team at Watford, moved on to Reading, which was I've, I've probably one of the more difficult experiences in my career so far, and something that I've learned a lot from. Um, but yeah, it was a tough couple of years there, and then I moved on to West Brom. And West Brom, you know, they're a Premier League standard club really and um, I moved there with a, a really top top goalkeeping coach um, when I first went there he moved on and then I had another great goalkeeping coach Gary Walsh um, after that so I was well looked after there trained uh, a, a very high level also played some games there but it was about time then <clears throat> after that, that um, I needed a platform to play and thankfully Galaxy gave me that 
I mean, I think you just brought up such a really great point right there. And I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, that, that Kev said, you know, when he came on the show and even off the air and everything like that is that how humble you were about the experience, you know, is that you didn't come in with any sort of ego, like, oh, you know, I, you know, I was at a prem club, you know, I'm, I'm, be- I'm better than this bigger, bigger time than this. You came in and you were like, you know what, you know, I need, I need matches. Um, I need games. I'm still growing as a goalkeeper and, uh, and I'm here to learn and I'm always going to keep learning. Yeah, football knocks that out of you very quickly, um, especially when you're younger. You know, if you if you have that kind of mindset uh, going into some kind of loan or whether you're the club you're at, and maybe you can get away with it as a striker, but as a goalkeeper, the, the football is a funny way of punishing you. So, um, no, I was completely respectful of the league and the level um, coming over here, and um, it's exceeded my expectations pretty much in every way. I've had to be. Um, at, at the best that I can be to, to do well. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you, when you bring that up right there, Omar, you've had this discussion. I, I don't know if you know this, uh, Bondi, but, uh, Omar's got a sizable social media following and, um, <laughs> they sometimes, uh, they sometimes go after MLS on there, don't they? They do. Yeah. But I think again, that's, that's the, just the, the nature of it. And, and people are always going to attack, uh, the MLS in general, but you know, goalkeeping in the MLS and, Sometimes there's goalkeepers who make mistakes and it doesn't matter which league you're in. But I think with MLS, it has, for me at least, in terms of like the viewership, I can actually post more about the MLS so I can break it down and stuff. So I expose a lot of the mistakes. Obviously, I post a lot of the great saves as well. But a lot of people completely mull over that and go straight to attacking the, it fits their narrative per se. Um, (laughs) But again, I, I just think that the quality that you've brought to the league, I think it's, it's starting to set a tone of, of what a goalkeeper can do to a club. And I feel like Galaxy has always kind of been there on the fringe the last few years, but finally getting that stability. And then somebody who's making those quality saves. I mean, I think it was Efrain Alvarez scored in like the 97th minute or 95th minute. Not too long ago. I forget which team you guys played against. And then Vancouver. you had a, they hit, they hit a what Vancouver. Yeah. Like last yeah. second header. And you, you, you tipped it over the bar. I posted about it and I was just like, this is, these are the points that you win. And I think Sir Alex Ferguson in an interview talking about uh, Peter Schmeichel, I think it was probably like 10 years ago, he was saying that on average, a season, a goalkeeper will win you 15 points. And mm-hmm. as you can see in the top four or five in the MLS and anywhere in the world, those 15 points can mean a matter of you being in fifth place or first place. So again, I think whether you're from England or from Europe and you're coming to the States, you understand how crucial those points are. And like you said, there's relegation in other parts of the world. So you guys understand how crucial those points are. So I think you guys come with a little bit more um, – I guess pressure built in your in your system growing up and how oh, yeah. cutthroat it, it can be. So I, have you noticed that at all, or do you, I feel like I mean with Sebastian getting so many minutes now with the the national team, I feel like he's also probably bringing that uh, into the club as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think when you talk about the pressure side of things, you know, when you're in England, the whole the whole world is trying to get in there. You know, if you've got a spot as a goalkeeper, there's only. You know, twenty spots in the Premier League, and then another twenty-four in the in the Championship, and the whole world is trying to get in there. It's natural. That's where, kind of, where all the money is, and that's where everyone perceives it the best to be. But um, to be honest with you, uh, the standard of um, I say American goalkeeping. There's obviously lots of different nationalities playing in MLS, but the standard of goalkeeping in MLS is high. I found it to be high. You know, we kind of. It almost doesn't matter what level you play at, whether it's a Premier League, Championship, MLS. The goalkeeper's job 
it stays relatively the same, you know, sometimes, uh, okay, the finishing might be, there might be a, a difference in the quality of finishing or something like you can always point to small things, but it's kind of its own sport in many ways. Um, so, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're playing in MLS, Premier League, League Two in England or somewhere else, it's kind of, your job doesn't really change that much and yeah. the basics are always there. So, yeah. It's, it's do you think it's easier? That, that's interesting that you say that, Bondi. Because like, do you think it's easier for a goalkeeper to transition from league to league than it is an, an outfield player? I mean, not necessarily. I I found it difficult transitioning from Watford, where I'd grown up, um, and I, I mentioned I went on loans to other clubs. But I always had the safety net of knowing I'm going back to Watford at the end of the day, whether it goes well or it doesn't. I'm going back to Watford. I'm contracted there. And I moved to Reading, which was <clears throat> probably about 45 minutes away. And I found that transition really difficult. I did it when I was 21, 22. Um, so, you know, if I tried to do that, when I, if I tried to move here, for example, when I was 21, 22, there's, there's probably the sides to goalkeeping and to being a professional um, soccer player that people don't understand, you know, the social aspect of um, adapting very quickly to a new locker room and a new culture and, playing in different climates as well is there's there are so many things that can affect you negatively um in terms of your performance that maybe people don't consider and that means that it is no it's not that it's not easy to to transition but at the same time if you can get things outside of the pitch right then you know your job and you focus on um the details and the basics within the game then it, you can make things a lot easier for yourself yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that's really the key right there. Is like if you just focus on those specifics, Omar. I know you're obviously you're really big at focusing on those specifics and kind of developing that culture. And I think really a lot of it is is much more about the culture that you kind of develop. And uh, you know, kind of before we kind of transition to this topic, you know, Omar, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about the fact of like the culture you try to develop in your professional environments? Yeah, and I, I mean, it's like my it's my first real kind of immersement into that not lifestyle, but into the day-to-day -day operations of being a pro coach and, you know, being in the second team with LAFC being the parent club. It's like, you know, our job is to develop the goalkeepers and get them ready with either games or in training sessions to, you know, move up to the first team. So it's, it's been difficult for me to sometimes get that synergy, that chemistry going. So for me, the conversations that I've had with the younger goalkeepers and the goalkeepers that are going up and down with the first team, is just that, look, the, the head coach is going to have their objective and what they want from us. My job is to get you prepared for that. I don't want to add, in my opinion, for me, I don't want to add any unnecessary pressure. I don't want to make you overthink things, question your instincts. For me, it's can we see this from an objective perspective and watch film together, watch training sessions, and have just an honest discussion. Like, what are you seeing and what am I seeing? Is it of the standard? Are you holding yourself to a high enough standard? Is it of the level? And for me, at least, having the goalkeepers articulate for themselves what they're seeing from themselves and justifying what they're like the reasoning to do a certain technique or a certain decision is so much better for me and more effective. And I feel like we execute a lot more of the, the game plan, daily game plan, than me saying, hey, that was wrong, do it this way. Hey, that was wrong, do it this way. Hey, that was right, I taught you that. You know, I think it's just leaving <laughs> yeah. your ego. You know what I mean? It's like leaving the ego and just say, look, how can I best prepare you? However, you have to understand the professional level, there is a standard. So if you start dropping below that standard, you get a little too comfortable, we will have an honest conversation. But that's yeah. the, with Steve Sharondolo, the head coach, he's had massive experience. And we had a conversation recently. He said, Omar, sometimes I'm going to have to come down hard because if I don't say something in training, 
then in the games, if it happens, they're going to be like, well, you allowed it in training. So why are you saying something now? So I don't mean to step on your feet, Omar, or, or you know, uh, obstruct anything that you guys have been working on, you know, the big picture for these goalkeepers and the development. However, there are certain times where I need to step in. Yeah. yeah. But by the way, Bondi, feel free to step in anytime. Speaking of Sorry. stepping in, otherwise Omar <laughs> no, will continue just to talk over. To- <laughs> that's fine. No, I mean, I find it interesting, you know, from the coaching perspective um, to hear some of the things you say there, because I'm, I remember Neil Cutler, the goalkeeping coach who I moved to West Brom with. Quality. <clears throat> he, um, really, really high quality. And uh, he was a lot about, he wanted to, to coach you, but everything to come naturally kind of subconsciously. So he would take me to, to one side and completely break down my technique um, and the way I was doing things, the way I, my set position, the way I moved my feet, the way I was um, transitioning my weight. And we were going through just literally one-on-one for like 20 minutes. Then the, um, the team brought us over to go into like a small-sided game. And as I was going over, my, my brain was obviously firing um, a little bit fried because he's completely changing the way <laughs> that I do some of the basic things that I've always done. And he said, right, well, what are you going to do when you go over there? <clears throat> and I was like, well, I'm going to keep my feet narrower. I'm going to have my hand position here. And he was like, no, you're going to forget all of that. He said, forget everything I've just told you and just go and play. Because he wanted... You know, he, he knew that by the process of doing what we were doing in that 1v1 every day, those things will start to become automatic. And the last thing you need to, to ever do as a goalkeeper is to not be present and be just automatic. You know, the minute you start becoming conscious and you start thinking about what you're doing when you're in goal is, is a dangerous time. That's when things start to go wrong in, in my experience anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think agree. you're, I think... I, th- I think you're just so spot on about that right there, you know, uh, you know, Bondi, because like the thing is, is that first off, I mean, shout out to Neil Cutler. I mean, Cuts is, you know, he's ne- he's next level. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of his sessions. I'm sure Omar has watched quite a few of his sessions. Well, so, yeah, I mean, everything he used to post from there. I mean, uh, I think Neil Etheridge was, was still there. So you saw mm-hmm. some of his, uh, at, it's Neil Etheridge, right? I, I'm sometimes I get yeah, the that's first right. name. Yeah. Okay. So he was in those videos and you see what he did with them. So yeah. He's definitely one of those guys that I personally followed just because it was the first person that I said, holy crap, like this guy knows what he's doing. He's not just posting stuff to post it. And you can see the actual progression with these goalkeepers that he's working with. And I know I, I love this stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of just transition to this topic right now. You know, speaking of, uh, speaking of thinking, because when, it t- when we're talking about, you know, adjusting distances and stuff like that, you know, despite the fact Bondi, that you said that it, it's more of a subconscious thing, you know, there's so much going on. It looks like the wheels are turning, but at the same time, you've been through these experiences so many times. Um, for maybe some of the younger players out there who are listening, or maybe some parents, what do we mean by adjusting distances? Well, it depends. Are you talking about uh, like on through balls, or for, for when someone's about to shoot from distance? Um, what scenarios? Yeah. Well, well, what I'm well, so what the scenarios I'm basically talking about right here, and then we're going to show multiple scenarios in in regards to different ways. But it's about understanding when you should retreat and when you should approach, and also how to be able to adjust within the movements as well. Too, you know, a lot of a lot of young goalkeepers they either think go forward or go back. They don't recognize that it's there's a there's a gray area, and you're moving based on the tendencies of the player, based on the triggers that you're seeing, all the all those types of things. Yeah, I mean, if you take an example, then that a player is thirty yards out and he's running at the back line then there might be runners ahead of him and you have to be on the front foot and kind of as a 
on a high line kind of anticipating the, the, the through ball. Um, and then you kind of have to weigh that against, you know, at what point do I just set and get ready for a shot? Because maybe he's not thinking about the pass, he's thinking about the shot. But I mean, the key is within what you're doing, whatever decision you're making, whatever position you're taking up, you always have to make sure that your body weight is forward and that you're set and you're in contact with the ground. Um, if, you know, if the ball's maybe up towards halfway line and you're only dealing with a, a potential through ball, then you can you can kind of be more in a, a sprint start position where you've got one foot in front of the other and you're kind of side on. So then you, you've got a, a, a quicker transition to to push off and sprint forward, but then you can obviously, you're not going to go and try and cut out the, the through ball. You can start backpedaling quicker, but it's a difficult one to answer because it, it changes on what the scenario is, you know? No, absolutely. Omar, anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I think if, if we're talking about like, let's say a ball getting played to the angle, it's like, a, it could be either a one V one or the striker's touch takes it into a one V one situation. Um, I, I've learned and how I've articulated to the goalkeepers is that in every single play, there's a certain checklist that you kind of go through. Uh, for example, if the ball is getting cut back, you're staying at your line. And if they take a touch away from goal, then you drop in. So you're just identifying different you know, checklists with like visual triggers. And then you're adjusting your position based on that. And I feel like for angles or like 1v1 situations, for me, when I was playing, it was more so, okay, am I in a good position now where if he strikes it, I'm set? Okay, good. Am I in a good position now where I can implement the, fit, the, the my feet, where my feet can cover the, the first post angle and the far post angle because I've closed it down enough just perfectly? Okay, great. So now you have all these different checklists, and I think as you become a more experienced goalkeeper, you start to realize as you're in the play, those checklists are slowly adjusting as you go, and you kind of start getting into your preference of how you want to make saves. So for me, I loved making the trailing leg save. So when the ball got played to the angle, I would almost not cheat to the near post, but start leveraging over to the near post, not falling over, but in balance and have my, my, my right leg, let's say, come into my left. That's a trailing leg. I was always confident that I was covering the post and I could trail with that. So I just feel like as a, as a player, you can adjust your distances based on, as you get more experience, what kind of saves you prefer. Yeah, I think um, in terms of how high you are, it also depends on what style of goalkeeper you are. You know, if if you're if you rely more on your agility and your spring, then um, you might want to be play deeper in your goal. But if you want to make it more reactionary and close the angle a lot more and kind of react or block, then you have to be higher and get closer to the player. And it's that those um, decisions are really down to the goalkeeper and what they feel more comfortable with. I think one of one of the scenarios that in terms of distance um, that <clears throat> I can, I found difficult was when you're playing behind a high line and the through ball is good. So the timing of the through ball and the player, sometimes it can be difficult where I've been high because I'm waiting for the through ball. I've then found the through ball is weighted perfectly and the guy has taken a touch nice and he's in one-on-one and I haven't really had time to retreat back into a position I would like to be in in a 1v1 you know I'm now high and you kind of have to improvise and do what you want to do or what you can do in in a different situation so there are different ways that teams play and they can throw up different scenarios you know if if your team is deeper then you don't really have to make that decision you can be in a nice um, you can be in control of the 1v1 situation a lot easier Mike Go One ahead, thing, on. too, I, I mean, I'll, I won't talk about the FC Dallas game. It was a wash. We'll never talk about that game ever again. But there was a, there was a play, I think, in the second half where it was a through ball, and most keepers probably would have went to you know, try and smother the ball, and the striker would have touched it around. 
it could have been a penalty. And I felt you did such a great job by coming forward and you like chopped down your feet and the guy tried to dribble you and you were right there. I think that was, do you remember that, that situation? I think yeah. it was uh, yeah. in the last game. So again, adjusting your distances, sometimes as you're moving, you, you miscalculate it. But a lot of times people are, for me at least, they sprint so fast, they don't know how to slow their body down or stagger their steps where they can actually miscalculate, but then recalculate and recalibrate and then readjust in the moment. So I feel like in that situation, if anybody who's listening to this, go watch the highlights. Uh, avoid the score, unfortunately, but still you had in that moment, you were able to slow your feet down. And I, in my opinion, you avoided chaos by playing smart because yeah. you adjusted your distances as you were going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just naturally the way that we play, I'm, I have to make a lot of those decisions because we're, we're, we're like front foot team. We want to be high. And that, that means I'm naturally going to have to <clears throat> kind of make, make plenty of decisions at the edge of my box, really. Sorry, also to um, do you ever listen or listen? Do you ever watch uh, Rui Patricio play? Yes, he's very deep in his very goal. deep, and that that's yeah. that's like I did a breakdown on him like almost like a year ago, and I was just talking just like when he sits so deep, yeah, it may give you a little bit more depth for a shot, and yeah, you can probably move your feet, and he is quick, so he can probably cover more of the goal with that depth. But on those through balls, there are times where he's starting so deep and going on like a six-yard sprint. And mm. in my opinion, just spreading and defaulting. And the strikers at that point, if you watch enough film, will just dink it over him or just if someone's trailing, hit a 40 to 45 degree pass and the guy's there tapping it in. So yeah. I just feel like it's, you have to be very mindful, like you said, about how deep of a starting position you have so that that ball does get slipped. You're not tracking six yards, but instead two to For four sure. maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. I, but I think a lot of that also, you know, I mean, if I can just interject right here, um, I know you guys are having a, a love affair on, on LA Galaxy, Omar, because <laughs> you're so, former, uh, former Galaxy Acad alum here. But, uh, but, but the thing is, is that I think a lot of it is, for me at least personally, it has to do with scouting and also the, the traits of your own defenders too. When you were talking about even not just the system of play, but where their where do their strengths lie? If you have certain guys that have an issue, you know, when a player cuts inside, well, then you have to take that into consideration based on your distance because you're going to recognize that if that guy cuts inside, you're going to have to drop and create some sort of death because they're going to take a shot on goal. If that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I think. Sometimes when you're on your when they're on an angle still, you can kind of come down the line more. But then if they keep coming across and they get more central, then you might have to drop off kind of a yard, a yard and a half um, as you start to become in the middle of your goal because you don't want to get caught too high. You know, I found actually um, American style of goalkeeping is quite high. Um, uh, I've, I mean, that's my first impression at least when I'm when I moved here was they like to be kind of on the six yard line and making real strong reaction saves and um i've kind of experimented as i've um got older i've had some deeper positions some higher positions and i've kind of settled somewhere in the middle really um but i look at some goalkeepers and you know they're super high and they make great saves so there's not kind of a wrong or a right way of doing it i love the fact that you just brought that up because i mean i I always when i talk to and parents have such issues with this Bondi when they talk because they, you know, they, they're looking at it from a very, you know, uh, you know, I, my kid goes to school. He learns one plus one equals two. What do you, why are you telling me everything's subjective? You know, that mm. I don't, that's not, that's not what I, that's, I want to, I want an actual formula and there's not because every scenario is going to be different. Right. And, and, and you're going to have to kind of, a lot of times, I mean, you've made some saves that are very instinctual, you know, and, and they might be considered unorthodox, but in the moment, it made sense because they were effective. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you take like blocking, for example, um, I wouldn't say that's one of my biggest strengths. You know, when I go into like the blocking position, I just personally feel very kind of passive. Like I feel like I'm just hoping that the ball hits me kind of thing. <laughs> and I end up kind of having more success. And this is literally just me personally, because I watch other goalkeepers do it brilliantly. But just literally just kind of sliding, throwing myself out in, in like an, a bit of an unorthodox shape. I kind of always seem to get something on it. But then I look at other goalkeepers and they have a real, there's a real technique and there's an art to it and they come down the line and they block and it looks great. And it's just, I guess, you kind of, as you get older, you learn what works for you and what doesn't. Um, and there are, look, there are things that we can all improve on. And um, that is something that Kevin Hartman, we, we, we do quite a bit of blocking and I'm getting used to it. But yeah, it's just, it's just personal. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. Dude, the fact that you just said that you're not comfortable blocking makes me think like I must be the worst blocker in the world. If you don't feel comfortable blocking, <laughs> you made, you've made some legit blocking saves. Yeah, but there's uh, there's, there's the, blocking where you're, you're, okay, blocking is a bit of a generalized term, but you know, there's like a technique true. to actually coming yeah. out and then standing there, you know, and then like the ball yeah. hits you or, or there's something where you just kind of slide out and make yourself big. That's, you know, yeah. they're slightly different. Yeah. Well, that's why Omar's doing all that yoga so he can do those demos of blocking uh, nice. for all those uh, those Vegas lights. <laughs> right, Omar? Yeah. I, I honestly like even even with the first team, there you know uh, Zach, who's there, his thing is go to the ball and smother. Like he, he, oh, he, yeah. he and I, yeah. you know, it's like go to the ball, make sure if you can get your hands to it, go to it. He's against the blocking as well. Um, yeah. But I think again, for me, it's it's I've had coaches who are like, you can never do this, you can never do this. And like Bonnie said earlier, the last thing you want to do is have the goalkeeper not play off instinct, have to think about it in a split second, have to think about, oh, crap, Coach Omar said this. Ah, okay. And in that split second, the striker's already beaten to the ball. So yeah. for me, it's, again, trying to articulate it where it's like, okay, we saw this play happen. Why didn't you go into a block save? Well, I thought he was going to cut it back, so I stayed on my feet. Okay, I can work with that. Versus like, ah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm like, are you sure you're of the level? Like, I need you to understand and articulate. And a lot of kids are young. So I have yeah, to be very yeah. patient. And that's one thing I went into, like, my, my review today with Steve. And he asked, I asked him, can you tell me what I can do better? He's like, when you have the older guys in, it's easy because you can kind of go straight into game, you know, patterns and stuff. However, with the younger academy guys, you need to do more technical work, I feel. And the game stuff is important, but there's still a lot of development to be made. And Mike has always told me this, too. But, again, it's engaging in that, but also, to having those conversations to – back up your reasoning for why you do things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Bond body. You got to, you got to see Omar work with an eight year old, uh, man, that was, that was, an, <laughs> that was, an, that was an, that was an adventure. Uh, but no, you learn from that though. You learn from that though. Uh, you do. So, you do. Uh, yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's, uh, hopefully the Academy kids aren't freaking out. Hopefully their heads aren't, aren't filled with so much information <laughs> that they're, uh, they can, they can, they can handle it. Um, I, I do want to br bring up, go ahead, Omar. No, no, just, just real quick. I, I, like one thing I like about your game too is, in, in my opinion, the bottom hand on like the cross body shots. I feel like you do a really, really good job of those situations where you keep your distance because, again, you're, you're a great shot stopper. So I think, again, the different styles of goalkeeping, some people like to get closer to the action. Like you said, some American goalkeepers, we've been taught to just be very overly aggressive. Uh, mm -hmm. At least that's how I was before. You know, step up to the angle, making sure you're, you know, closing down the angle, which has its perks. However, if you want to make a variety of saves, which again, you do a great job of sometimes keeping that distance and getting that bottom hand down. Is that something that like you just instinctually know if someone's, you know, right footer going away from goal, 
maybe they're going to try and put it across me. So I got to, you know, make the, the hand a little bit stronger so I can get a big touch. Or is that just natural? You just kind of do it. No, I think ever since I was young, really, I always went, uh, went at everything with my hands kind of thing. I, I worked with Sam Johnston at, um, at West Brom and anything in and around him, you know, with power, he would just use his feet and he would just block it with his feet. And I kind of, I, that's just not my style. I just, I'm not thinking about saving it with my feet. I'm thinking about getting low and saving pretty much everything unless it's right at my feet with my hands. And that's another example of, you know, that's just two different styles and, um, sometimes I look at, you know, maybe it seems a lot less effort to just go bang with your foot than getting down quick and reacting, kind of saving it with your hand. And um, yeah, again, it's, yeah, it's different. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. But in terms of anticipating and reading things, yeah, we, we, we do we do a lot of analysis on, on the opposition. And sometimes it can backfire, you know, if you've seen one player kind of go far corner five times out of the last five shots and then he pulls one in the near post when he, when he's playing against you then that can that can um that's not ideal but yeah no it's, I've been there <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Been oh yeah he's never done that before very very quick story we uh we played against phoenix early on and i asked the head coach i was like can i do a scouting report of the other goalkeeper the opponent goalkeeper so it was like my first week that was the first week i was so it was ben Lute, by the way so i was like so excited i put all these clips together and the guy didn't even play he didn't even like he was (laughs) he got called back to cincinnati so i was just like oh my god so all the all the like striking like points that i said okay guys look on crosses or on this on that they showed yeah. up to the game. They were just like, is this the same keeper? I was like, the guy's not even no. on the bench. I, I failed, you guys. I'm so sorry. Do not listen to anything I say. Poor team. Just, if you're on a 1v1, just do what you got to do. See any pockets yeah. you see. Go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. That's that's hilarious. That's not as bad as Omar's. Like, I've uh, I've promoted, you know, comedy shows uh, with certain get, certain people on the shows. And uh, people show up at the show. And last minute, those people cancel. And they're like, that <laughs> That doesn't look like Anthony Jeselnik. That does not in any way look like Anthony Jeselnik. Pretty sure that's a guy who lives in Santa Monica. But uh, that is a so that's not that's not as rough. Um, there is something, uh, Bondi, that just came through in the comments section that's not goalkeeping related. But I think this guy has been so so patient. I, I want to throw this up right here, and he goes, uh, "This is a uh, verbal. Uh, I-, I apologize if I'm going to butcher your name right here. Right, right, K, right." You're gonna have to sit. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to go with it. VR, VR uh, wants to say, I can't find your jersey in the MLS store. Uh, I sit at 123 with the Galaxians. Is there any way I can have your jersey on Wednesday? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'll have to try and uh, find him and fish him out to, to give it to him. But I, I'm gonna uh, speak to Raul, the kit guy. I've spoken to the club about it actually, and they just don't. They're not selling goalkeeper jerseys until next year. So, but um, I spoke to the the. Uh, equipment manager Raul, who's a club legend at, um, at Galaxy, and he's going to give me some, I think, three, four, five shirts to do some giveaways and stuff on um, on Instagram because yeah, it's just uh, I'm I'm frustrated as well with like how they just don't value us enough to sell our shirts. <laughs> or what. It's dude, it's 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 ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. Funny. And I'm not. Go ahead, Omar. Funny, funny story. Uh, Raul is actually my uncle or step uncle. Wow. Yeah, so you know his son David. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's my cousin. So wow. he's he's like yeah he's like been with my aunt for a few years now. Yeah, it's it's so random. It's it's a small yeah, that world. Is so that's like, random. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like my dude. connection. It's like my connection to the galaxy still. But yeah, he did. He agreed that he'd give me some shirts to give away. 
That's that's unbelievable. Omar, my God. So what happened in your family when you took that job? It was, we said in the, in the family <laughs> WhatsApp group, and it was just like, oh. Uh, because one thing is, is Carlos Vela uh, went to LAFC. These guys quickly switched over. They said, okay, he's doing better than uh, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos at the moment. So Carlos Vela is our guy. So I don't know what happens now. I think when, when you know, Jonathan's doing better now too, they'll shift back over. Who knows? But yeah, it was it was a rough few days. Oh, dude, there's even more. Look at this guy. So his, my name is Arquitecto. I'm the one who wrote the song <laughs> I sent you about Bond. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, then there's even more incentive, Raul. Even more incentive right there, dude. Come on. Wow. This guy's writing songs about Bond. Come on. Um, all right. Should we uh should we break down some of these some some of these scenarios, guys? I think this uh I think this could be fun. Let me um let me pull this up right here. Well, it's always good that the clips are in other languages, so we'll just uh, mute that right now. Uh, so this one, this first one that we're going to start with right here, guys, uh, this is in the first minute. Um, it's Galaxy Portland. Uh, through ball from uh, Marvin Loria to uh, Abobasi at midfield. Splits two defenders. I mean, you take a great starting position. God, I have to mute that. Can't quite you see take it. a great starting position. Can you see it? Can anyone see it? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Sorry, it... as in like you can't, I can't see my starting position when the ball's being played. Oh, 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 God. Oh, God. Gotcha. I think okay. what... What happened was there you I, are. yeah, I was higher than that, and then I dropped because I didn't think it was, and then I thought, oh, maybe I've got a chance of getting there. But then once he's in control of it, this is the perfect scenario of what I was saying earlier. You know, ideally, I would like to be maybe five yards deeper and coming to meet him as he's getting to the edge of the box. But now that I'm in the position that I'm in, I mean, he could he could shoot there. He could take another touch and shoot, you know, and I'm high. So it's just about doing the best that I with uh, the position that I found myself in and if you go right to back to the start clip you know how high the, yeah. the the team is we actually watched this this morning it, it, like he's he's got uh, most of our half to run into there so for me Better to play all out, I'll have to be very yeah. high so we start yeah. from the beginning right here so this is what you this is what you were talking about right here is in how high the team is right here so naturally you're going to be up that high um yeah but then See, but a lot about, of young goalkeepers, they're just they just retreat all the way back. They freak out, or they approach the ball and they try to come out of their eighteen, and then they get caught. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I in an ideal world, I would be a little bit deeper. But I think look, it's a bad touch there that he takes, and I kind of I make a couple of different decisions, and then eventually just decide right, I'm going to come down the line and kind of close this to not give him as much time. Um, I mean, I think. I think that's, I mean, I think that's all, but I think the really good thing that you're talking about is the forward shape right here, because again, even though you're kind of, you said he took that awkward touch and so you you kind of make an adjustment right there is that you're not sliding out on him. You're nice and forward. You're nice and balanced. You're up. And again, I call this a block still, in my opinion, I know it's not a, a spread or a K or, or anything like that, but it's just getting your body there and just keeping your body, you know, you know, in front of the ball. Yeah. I mean, in the end, <sighs> You say like okay, it's a good save. You know, I, I save it. Um, but um, I've seen Omar. I'm sure you've seen Edison several times. You know how high City are, and he'll he'll you'll he'll find himself high when players are in these positions, and they'll kind of just. It, it doesn't have to be a great shot, and it will just maybe go through his legs or whatever, and he's maybe 17, 16, 17 yards out, and you're like, oh, you know, why aren't you deeper? But it's difficult to be deeper because the team is high. So you all start high and then you, the only way to correct it is to run back 15 yards when the guy is running through clean at you, which is a very 
unnatural thing to do. So it's just about when is that trigger moment where you can really go closing down and then trying to do the best that you can do really. And, and that's yeah. why I think, go ahead, Omar. No, I think again, to Bonnie's point, I think he, Ederson was critiqued. I think it was uh, 2019 or like 2020, the uh, Champions League versus Lyon. I think two times he got caught high. And I think the second goal was he was so high, they chipped it over his head and the defenders had no chance of getting back. At least here, and this reminds me, I don't know if you ever watched the night, like 1996, like MLS, that's how PKs were, were settled. You'd have a... <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm sure yeah. Uh, Kevin Hartman could tell you about it. It's like literally like this. The guy <laughs> gets the played clips, in through. Yeah. yeah, you guy gets played in through, and he has like three seconds to finish, but not with pressure. Yeah, I think you do a great job again here of, of recovering and letting your defenders recover and having a different starting point. And then from there, now, you give yourself more time, and the striker has to come up with a solution with pressure. Yeah, yeah. Omar, I won a youth tournament that way. They uh, they did the MLS style shootout, and I came Jeez. up with three big time, big time, big wow. time plays. Everyone, yeah. everyone from that game has already forgotten about it. It's still fresh in Mike's <laughs> mind. <laughs> exactly, still one of the great account crowning achievements of my life. Like I'm never going to be forget being 14 years old and doing that. Uh, totally, totally okay. worth it. Mike, can I show? Can Go I ahead, show Omar. one file as well? Sure. All right. All yeah. right. Let me, pull oh, let me this just up. remove this. Okay. Okay. Real quick. This is against RSL. Again, this is one of those like checklist situations where it looks like it's going to be it gets slipped into the wide angle. The guy takes a big touch, and then again, Bondi, you're there for the angle shot. He takes a touch, and then you come and close out. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's yeah. that's one of those things where initially you want to stay back. However, with a new picture on the touch, something different. Yeah, yeah, and that's the trigger really. You know, as soon as he takes that bad touch, here he's taking him wide, and then it's just. Maybe stay up a little bit longer so he can't um, lift it. But I was so close to the ball that he was gonna he was gonna find it difficult to get it over me. Uh, were you yeah, trying to yeah. smother there, or were you just trying to get body down? Sort of smother, yeah, smother, okay. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and, but I knew I was quite I was so close to the ball that he'd have to really, I don't, yeah, it would have to be a hell of a finish to get that up and over. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just that trick. As soon as he takes that touch, then you know you can go. For sure, exactly. Yeah, I want to. That's, wanna... that's that's. Ahead, I think Omar. that's that's what we talk about too. Just adjusting distances, and I think, in my opinion, it's like crossing. Right, you have to you have to make a lot of mistakes figuring out your range. How quickly? How far can I come out? If it's an mm -hmm. in swinger, out swinger. Where do I leverage my positioning based on where the the service is being hit from? Um, can I influence the service with my starting position? If there's so many different things that adjusting your your set, uh, your starting position or your uh, movement based off what you're seeing can really be beneficial. And I think to any young goalkeeper going out there and especially for coaches is like allow the goalkeeper to find their range, keep making mistakes. And I'm sure in that situation, but I don't know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm sure there's been situations where you've probably come out too much. The guy dinks it over, you score, or you came out too early and the striker, all he had to do was put it between your legs or dink it over you because yeah. you, you gave him, you know, an easy default chip over your head. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, you can get to, I think when you get if you're in a big game or if you're an emotional goalkeeper and then you like you're too aroused by the occasion, like a lot of the time your reaction is to just go and you just fly out and then the guy just slips past you or like clips it over you. So it's about staying calm in, in the moment and, and staying balanced and just making the, the natural decisions that you would make in training. Um I've you know, I've been there before where <clears throat> if I'm playing in in some games in England where you almost sometimes by coming down the line of the ball, you take the pressure off of yourself. 
So if, if there's a guy coming on the angle, you know that if you just fly out, it can hit you. But then if it, you know, if it doesn't hit you, then it just looks like, oh, it's a good finish. Whereas if you hold your position, you stay on the angle and you back yourself to save it, then you're kind of, you're backing yourself. Um, and, you know, when, when you fly out, it does, it does take the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. It's like leaving it, you're leaving it to chance. And I mean, even again, sorry, Mike, I know you want to get to these clips, but even, okay. even today, even, even today in training, we had a young Academy guy, the ball gets slipped through. He comes out, does a good spread, but completely turns his head away from the play. And mm-hmm. he kind of like open his shoulder goes with him because his head is obviously, you know, directing that. So his shoulder goes and I'm like, look, you're leaving it to chance by getting out, going out there, just finish the job. I'd rather you get hit in, you know, in below the bell. I'd rather you get hit in the yeah. chest, in the face. You make a save. It hurts for five minutes. You're good to go. But now what, what's happening is that you've done a great spread, but now you're cutting yourself in half by twisting that shoulder because you're too afraid to get hit. So like yeah. you said, it's like back yourself, knowing that you've done all the proper things. You've covered all the proper uh, pockets. And then from there, just stay big. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to yeah. do. Sometimes it comes Definitely. down to discipline and, and discipline and bravery, those two things. And sometimes it's the easiest things, but most people – neglected but, but but omar i i would i would have to say this and bondi i don't know how you feel about this i feel that that compact shape that open compact shape is something that a lot of, is kind of being lost by a lot of young goalkeepers is that they're they're defaulting to a turning to a turning shape rather than staying inside the play and i don't know if that's just because that's what's being taught now um the bravery issue or or what i don't know if that's something that you you've recognized as well too yeah um, i mean i don't think you should ever be turning away you should just be facing the shot and, you know, I, I, I think that would be the wrong thing if that's being taught anywhere. Um, really, you, I mean, you should be coming down the line of the ball the best you can as if your life depends on it and keeping your body weight forward and attacking the ball. And, and that's it, really. Like, you, like Omar said, it can hurt for two minutes and then after that, you feel great that you made a great save. No, I think adding on to that point, in my opinion, training the young kids, and I watched Peter Schmeichel's documentary a thousand times, and there was one save, if you ever watch anybody watches it, he makes a save, it's a rebound, the guy strikes it from like five yards away, and Peter Schmeichel looks the guy straight through his eyes, like through his soul, and the guy shoots it again, and hits it right at him, he makes the save, and I think if that's the foundational piece to a goalkeeper's bravery, and, and like you said, backing yourself, staying on your feet, keeping that proper balance, and then making the save versus giving these young kids the the default answer to an equation or you know formula to come out and do this block save you cover the pocket to do this i don't feel like you're you're building that foundational piece of bravery it's more so here's a way to make this save versus i want you to come out stay big first and then if you have to make that save go for it you're almost giving them the answer too soon and a lot of these kids like we talk about a lot mike they're so literal that they just say okay well if my coach told me to do it i'm going to do it Versus, I'm going to come out, I'm going to stay big if I need to on a big touch, like you saw with Bondi there. Takes that big touch, I'm going to come out and spread myself. Versus, that's the only type of save I want to make. Yeah. yeah, by the way, I want to I want to tell I want to tell Gato, I want to tell Hartman right here that uh, after we had put together the rundown, he he sends he's like, so I want to hear Bondi talk about one v ones and 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 blocking, and I'm like, well, we'll we'll eventually segue there. Trust me, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go there in the conversation anyway. So Omar, thank you for. Exactly. Omar <laughs> was throw, throwing it in there. He uh, telepathically knew. Um, I want to bring up this clip right here. Let's see. If, uh, so I think what happens right here is uh, basically what happens is I think Brian White cuts inside. And as you see him cutting inside, Bondi, well, let's just play it through all the way. Let's just play it all through, through all the way. 
cuts inside. You drop depth. Great save there. See, in my opinion right there, you recognize that's kind of one of those scenarios that I was talking about is like when a guy cuts inside and you realize, okay, so he's going to, he's going to be able to pull a shot on goal. I need to be able to cover that gap because that back post gap was completely wide open. The only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I drop create depth, which allows me a little bit more time to make that, that action right there. Boom. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just uh, he's he's got no passing option forward, so you don't need to be high, just to be set. Um, I think I'm on the front foot initially because it looked like he maybe was taking a touch in behind the defence to run onto, but it kind of forced him a little bit wide. And then I knew as the two defenders are coming from this from that side, he's going to find it really difficult from where he is now to really reverse that into the into the far corner. So it's just about getting in a position where. You know, I've, I've I've not given myself too much to do to cover this near side, and then yeah, then it's just out um, the power that you work on every day um, in training and stuff, and just to just to get to it and, and save it. I mean, in my opinion, this is a, this 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 is world class goalkeeper IQ right here, man. Um, because again, I think a lot of people would stay a little bit higher and get caught here, and you yeah. you take you you drop right there. You know, Omar, I know you talk so much about dropping and creating depth. Yeah, I think in, cer in certain scenarios, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. This, this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, there's just no need to be at the six-yard box there. It's so much more difficult for him to, to curl that around you if you're two, three yards off a line and in a good position. Um, so, yeah, it's just that, that should be the default, really. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I personally think, you know, and I'm – and again, you know, obviously I'm more around the youth game and you guys are coaching at the highest of levels there. Well, you know, Bonnie, you're playing at the highest of levels. Omar's <laughs> coaching at a, at a high-ish level. It's a, it's a level. It's, it's a high Omar's level. coaching at a, almost <laughs> coaching at a, uh, he's coaching at a level. They're still learning. They're still learning. Um, but I think your physical attributes come into play with, with a lot of this as well too. And then, you know, because of your size, you have a certain length. And because of that, if you, if you drop right there, you know that with your length, you can, you can you can get a hand to that you can get a hand to that ball yeah um that, i mean that yeah that kind of ties in with what i was saying different styles of goalkeepers you know if you're six foot and you're powerful and athletic and, and explosive then it might be more beneficial for you to be a little bit higher um i don't know yeah it's the the power side of things i, I found that something that i've had to um get used to in transition because playing every week here, especially going to, we just had an away trip where we had uh, Vancouver away at altitude, Salt Lake away at altitude, because they're both at, uh, playing at Salt Lake. And then the third game of the week was away in Dallas, um, which was like playing in an oven. So it meant that the training time, you know, in between uh, the games was pretty much non-existent. And it's about maintaining that kind of level of sharpness, power, ex explosiveness, and, that's something that has always been a strength of mine. Um, but now, you know, with the amount of games that we're playing, it's difficult to kind of maintain and um, keep on top of that like you would normally if, if you just had a, a free week of training. So, yeah, it's part and parcel of um, of being in a, in, a, in a full MLS season, I guess. But, yeah, that was the first game in that week, I believe. And, yeah, that was something we, you know, we had a full week's training leading up to that and I had the, the explosiveness to get there. 
I mean, I mean, I, I want to talk about this with you, Omar, obviously, is that, you know, this is your first professional season. And, you know, like, like Wandy was talking about in MLS, the same thing in USL, you know, games are, you come, come quick and come quick and fast. And they, do you find that that's something that you've had to kind of simmer down with how many scenarios you throw at players throughout the week because of how many, how many games your guys are playing? Uh, yeah, I think early in the week, let's say this week we have uh, a game on Saturday. Early in the week, uh, I've normally thrown at the goalkeepers. And again, I don't know who I'm getting sometimes, but I'll tell them, hey, specifically, or are there any topics that you want to focus on early in the week? So we can really harp on, uh, you know, get into stuff that we can fine tune so that we're not neglecting it throughout the season, but let's fine tune it. And then around Thursday and Friday, I start giving them, you know, certain patterns and scenarios uh, against, for example, Orange County. They have a long thrower. So where, where's your starting point? Where is our starting point for defenders? Um, and then again, too, if they throw it away from goal, how, look, what does your recovery movement look like? So again, look, looking at more gameplay tactics and then throwing those into sessions and doing, let's say, four or five reps of each of those versus throwing out, you know, 10, 15 reps. Uh, so again, it's keeping them sharp, but also giving them the pictures um, that they're most likely going to see. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, th- I think, uh, you know, what my, my, my only thing is, is, is with this, oh, and I'm sure, you know, this is something that, you know, um, is, is important to, is important to Bondi is, you know, obviously is, is you want to have a certain level of sharpness though, too. So like, even though you, you do have a lot of, a lot of games, you do want to make sure that you feel like once you get into those games that you've seen enough that, that it's not like, you know, kind of real, I mean, like I, a year, it's been a year and a half since I played and I played a couple of weeks ago for the first time competitively. And I was just like in the game and I'm like, Oh, how do I do this again? I'm like, Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm supposed to, I'm just slightly off, you know, from a timing stamp timing standpoint. So you, you, you yeah. got, you got to have a, li- a little bit of that. And I think from a tactical standpoint, that's even more important than the physical because Bondi, you, the, the physical, you guys can just train in isolation and be fine on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, look, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the season, so you shouldn't really be lacking uh, that much sharpness or whatever. But it's just it's, it was something that I found, even if I wanted to uh, to train uh, really hard in the games, in the days in between the games. The problem is you're training at, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but like 40, 41 degrees um, Celsius in Dallas. And that's just not conducive to like training hard and and getting ready for uh, for a game. So um, no, it was just something that I brought up because that's something that's very specific to MLS, and it's something that we didn't really. I mean, it gets cold in England, but it doesn't necessarily make it difficult to train. Yeah, well, but I mean, but in the cha- championship, don't you guys play like a hundred games a year or something like that? Like, what is the? What yeah, it's forty six <laughs> league games, God, which is a lot of games. Geez. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. my, my yeah. God. But I, I have a question for you. I think uh, from. From your perspective, what are like some things that you like from your goalkeeper coaches? Because I, I think for me, obviously, every goalkeeper is different. Every personality is different. Upbringing and, and coaches they've had in the past obviously influence uh, what they like as a goalkeeper. So for you, uh, do you like somebody who is, you know, overly critical or somebody who like w- what is it that you like from a goalkeeper coach? Um, first of all, I like to train at high intensity and to train hard. And that really has to start in pre-season because it's difficult to kind of get that intensity in once the season starts. So that's something that I thank God, you know, Kev is, he likes to train as hard as how I like to train. Um, and then from a physical standpoint, I always felt like I was most confident, um, in games when I felt like I trained physically really hard. 
and I felt fit and I felt like my reactions were good and I never really got tired during the games and I was just finishing 90 minutes quite easily and that gave me kind of a level of confidence before I'd even started anything else before you talk about anything else um yeah from a from a critiquing standpoint I just want yeah, nothing too uh, reactive. So, you know, if, if a goal goes in, it doesn't necessarily always mean you've done something wrong. Or sometimes if you make a save, that doesn't necessarily mean that you made all the right decisions. And it's just having that kind of the uh, the awareness to kind of see through some of the situations that have happened and and kind of understand maybe why they've happened, why a goalkeeper has made a certain decision. And I guess experience comes into that. But... It's not just going, you know, if you kept a clean sheet, then it's a great game. If you let three goals in, then it's a bad game. It's just seeing really what is happening and understanding the game and understanding um, why the goalkeeper is doing what he's doing. That's probably the main the main couple of things I would look for. So 90-second minute, dangerous ball to Madronda, cut back. Great reaction save. I love the front hand right there. Uh, just, just awesome, awesome shape. But basically... We'll kind of go back to that. Let's just go back to it. Really, I'll play really that, yeah, that next one as well. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, whoops. Do I have it here? Okay. So, and let's, let's go back to, let's just go back to the starting position right here on the rolled on because it's rolled on. Right. Okay. So obviously what happens, this is a dangerous ball. In my opinion, these kind of balls that get are kind of floated in right there. It drops, but you keep your height. Your di- depth is decent when that ball drops to Madronda he takes that touch in and around. You've got this fast approach. You're balanced because you cut, co- you cover that ground and you recognize that based on his angle, you've got to come out and you've got to cover that space. And then it's just a brilliant reflex save in my opinion. Boom. Right there with that hand there. You're talking about the hand, dude. That's what the hands are all about. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's just about being set at each moment. So like when the ball comes over, he could easily hit that on the volley first time. They're winning two, one it's 93rd minute. I actually think he hit a volley kind of 10 minutes before that in that game. And he, he looks like he's shaping up to hit, to hit that with his left, brings it down, then kind of looks like he's going to hit it again. And it's just about being set kind of as he's about to, every possibility of him being allowed to shoot. Once he comes inside, then he loses time. He's clearly a left-footed player. So now he doesn't want to hit it with his right. He's lost time now. So I, I can now advance as long as that's the, making it easier for me. And then he's, I think he ran around it, didn't he? Did he run around it with yeah. his left? Yeah. Yeah. And then he it's, ran and then it's, left. because I've come down line, like wherever he hits it, then it's going to kind of be, it's now a reaction. It's going to be in my vicinity. It's not like he can kind of curl it around me or, or whatever. And so it's, it's going to be right, yeah. in your bub- right in your bubble right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So then it's just, I, I was lucky enough just to get enough of a hand and like a reaction on it, um, yeah. put it around. Omar, do you want to add to it? No, but I will say I put a note in my notes here. Being set at each moment. I know it sounds simple, but sometimes you find ways to articulate points like on the flying in training, and that's one that I will for sure use. I think that I've always said go through, go through the visual checklist of what you're seeing and like potential based off of your experiences and the patterns you've seen uh, from taking the touch in, from taking the touch wide. You have certain patterns that you react to automatically. But I think, again, being said at each moment based on those uh, that visual checklist, is it's huge. That, that's a great point. I mean, the set, the balance, every single time based on the scenario and based on his options is fantastic, you know? And, and there's no panic 
everything looks con- I mean, again, I don't know what's going on internally, but Bonnie, there's no panic in my opinion, physically. Everything's <laughs> nice and smooth. He <laughs> could be going crazy mentally. <laughs> I mean, look, if you're playing in C, you know, I mean, that was, uh, you know, obviously a big match and everything like that. But yeah, yeah you know, let's just say you were cool, cool, calm and collective. How about that? Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, it was what it was. It was a good save and it felt good, but we lost the game in the end. So yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't help massively. But uh, I, didn't, I, I was going to bring up the results. I was just bringing, this is all about you, man. This is about, this is about you and, and, and <laughs> educating people on your brilliance. Oh, so, go ahead. Omar. Thank you. No, I so said, that's the wild part too. In that game, all three rolled down brothers were there. I've, I remember hearing that on the broadcast. Oh as yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Caesar was uh, he was in Vegas to watch uh, his brother win the Gold Cup yesterday. Was it yesterday? Oh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Was, uh, he was saying it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh my god! But, sorry, Mike. One last thing again. I, I'm sorry, yeah. Ronnie, as you can see, I'm, I just my mind goes in crazy sputters here. But I yeah, think no, again, like like you said about side of like, if I make a mistake, don't like I don't don't just you know don't be so reactive. And I think again, for example, in that situation, you make. Every save you've made in 1v1 situations, again, I can tell you're very, very patient. And again, you're very disciplined and in, in getting set at each moment. And you can see there as well, the visual triggers, it allowed you. You said, okay, he's left footed. He has to shape it around. I have enough time to come out, but I don't want to be too greedy. So I hold my position and I make a save. But for example, if that situation did occur and you did, you, know, you, did, you conceded. And again, as a coach, it's like, I've learned don't react in the moment to that goal being made or that goal being scored. However, look at the patterns and how successful yeah. this, this goalkeeper has been using this type of foundational setup yeah. of getting themselves into the positions. And I think for me, not saying something in the spot and then using the video footage to back up my claims in the, in the future, I think that is huge. And I feel like, again, no, I, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you because there, I mean, there's times even when I'm critiquing myself where, where you talk about that kind of like that patience and the calmness and then he might cut inside and hit it just a little bit too hard for me to react. And I'll think like, what am I doing? Like, just, why don't you just go fly out at him and just kind of make a block. But we, I have to kind of tell myself like, no, you, that's, that's kind of my style and that's what's worked for me. Um, and there've been other scenarios where, you know, I'll make more saves doing what I tried to do then, even though it ended in a goal to then if I just flew out there and started leaving things to chance. So, um, yeah, it's just about kind of, like you say, recognizing patterns really. And, and I'm so sorry, Mike, I keep cutting you off, dude. I don't care. <laughs> I just got to say before I forget it, I have a very short to remember here, but I mean, I, I mean, again, look, dude, you got that equipment manager connection. You got, you played for the galaxy, <laughs> man. I mean, come on, you can go as long as you want, you know? Oh, but I think that that's a coaching point that I make in uh, with the academy guys too. Is like I'd rather have you establish uh, a, some pieces in your in your philosophy of how you get things done as a goalkeeper and still concede in training, than like you said, kind of like leave it to chance, come out, turn your head, and you don't really have any solutions. It's kind of just going out there every game. And I think to settle those nerves prior to a game, you have to have the confidence that. Any situation, because I have these foundational pieces and pillars set in place and these principles set in place, I will be able to at least give myself a chance to make a save versus I made a save in training. I don't know how I made it. I hope I make that save in the game. You're leaving it up yeah. to chance. And I think establishing that those principles early, I think goalkeeper coaches, again, you kind of have to go through that, the growing pain sometimes as I'm learning. But 
you have to allow those uh, mistakes to be made in training. However, don't make them costly mistakes or mistakes that you just passively let happen, but really, really be intent of how you can actually deliberately get better from them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, I think you guys are both bringing up a very good point in regards to it. it's a, it's a long season. And also the development of a goalkeeper is a, is a long time. And if you're talking about overall development and, and how you want your goalkeeper to perform throughout the entire season, would you rather, would you rather try to get them to make a quick uh, fix in a match that may not, they might not be able to replicate or that goes against the what works for them and is effective for them? Or would you rather allow them to keep exploring in, in areas that are, they're comfortable? Because in the long term, I mean, I think, JB, honestly, one of the things about you is your consistency. You've been consi- consistent. And I think that's more important than having, you know, three or four fantastic matches in a season. Yeah, oh, no, I agree with you. Um, but I guess there has to be a balance where, you know, if something isn't working, then you have to face up to it and say, okay, maybe I need to change this. Because, you know, that what I'm saying is kind of assuming that um, everything you do always works, which isn't the case. So, of course, there are things, like one of the things that I have had to change over the last few years is not getting drawn too close to the near post when there's a cross from from deep to give myself still a chance of getting to the, yeah. the far post. And that's something where I know because maybe a, a player is running away from goal eight or nine times out of 10 is going to come to the near post because he just hasn't got the strength to get it to the far post. But then that one or two times, you know, you can't, you just can't get there. So why not take half a half step or a step more central and then you can still get to the near post one. Um and and do and do the far post one. So like that's just an example. Like some things, of course, you have to like review and change, and that's what that's why you have a goalkeeping coach to kind of work work and discuss that with. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, all right, guys, are you guys cool with me playing one more clip right here? This is uh this is the port this is a Portland match here. Yes, one. and I will I will say, Jay, I think the the save you made, I think it was against Seattle. I forget who it was, but they played it to the far post, and you scrambled, and it was a low shot. You made a save. Oh yeah, do you remember yeah, that yeah. one? I think yeah. again in those situations, that was one of the situations that maybe you adjusted your your positioning based on the cross, and it gave you, I mean, obviously less ground to cover coming across the goal to make a save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yeah, but I, I think this this Portland one. Forget that it's me and goal or whatever, but just like the, as in the, I think it's the next one you're going to show. Yeah. So let's see if I can find, let's see if I can. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So compare this to like the other Portland one, the first one we watched where mm-hmm. the guy got played through and I kind of stayed high. I think I would have preferred to do this. Um, oh, go and play it first and then I'll, I'll talk. Okay. So I'll play, so I'll play this is ball over the top from Valeri to Aboba C. I love this positioning. He's got Jesus. nowhere to go. He's got nowhere to go. And it, this, in my opinion, this is goalkeeper IQ right here. I mean, it's just, you know, you, re- you recognize that rather than approaching the 1v1, you recognize you need to adjust your angle, cover that space, you drop. You cut yeah. off all three points, in my opinion. So he's got nowhere to go. And because of that, he shoots it right into your bubble. Um, so I, I, I want to the difference. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Mike. The, no, like, that's okay. the, dif- the difference here is obviously he's just a li- that little bit wider. And he's he's still kind of he's not in control of the ball like he's still chasing it a little bit, and I knew like if I can, I've just got to jump back in and then come again. And I I kind of feel like maybe I should have done that on the, luckily I saved it. You know the one in the in the the, the home match against Portland, but yeah. um, this one yeah I 
this one, I think I've made the right decision to just drop, drop, drop because he's still not in control of it. He's not going to shoot yet. And it's more difficult for him. You know, on that angle, I would still kind of back myself to, to try and save it. By the see, time he's, and, and, he's at an angle. See, that's the thing. And that's the thing. I think you recognize, and I want a lot of young goalkeepers to see this, is that you were seeing as this, all of this was happening right here. You were seeing how heavy the touch was. But the fact that you were still weren't going to be able to get there in time, he was still going to be able to make contact with the ball before you. So you're better off to just keep shifting, shifting, shifting. Because you know, once you get to that angle, you're never going to come out. You're never going to come out forward because you're just exposing the entire goal for him anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, but also, I mean, I could come out and and close him down and make a block save. So there's like both can work for sure. Yeah, both can work. But I just it, you're leaving less up to chance. I think. By, I feel my opinion is by dropping when he's at an angle like that and just backing yourself to save it. Because if I if I rush out at him now, he can like he can lift it over you, he can go around you, he can just slide past you if you don't react quick enough. So yeah, that's I I want I just wanted to talk about this one because that's it was very similar scenarios in both Portland games where they just played a straight ball over the top, and I kind of wish I think first minute. Because it was the first minute in the game, I was thinking, should I come? Like, should I not? And then in the end, I uh, made a save right at the edge. But I think if I had it again, I'd probably do something like this. I think one of this things, though, is it, it takes a lot of discipline. And I think a lot of young goalkeepers are concerned. First off, they don't have a lot of spatial awareness in regards to where the goal is when they when they get so high up the field. And that's something that that's a whole other topic for another, another episode for another hour and a half. But um, is that just so many coaches on the outside at the youth level are telling basically telegraphing goalkeepers into what to do in this scenario. And they want them to approach being last man, all of that sort of thing rather than really recognizing the angles. And also, again, I would feel more comfortable doing this than approaching. Um, but that's just me. So you're saying they, they're, they're coaching to go close it down. At, yes. At most, most they're going scenarios. to coach close it down. Yeah, they're coaching to close it down. So if you're a youth coach right here, boom. Because again, but again, I, I see where that ball falls. It's such a tricky situation. Where that ball falls, there's no way you can approach it now. So when do you no, approach it? Now? It's still bouncing. He hasn't quite got it under control. I just, while the ball's in the air like that and it's still bouncing, uh, it gives me time to go get back, I think. I yeah. don't know. It's difficult because like we have we have a goalkeeper at uh, Galaxy um, Justin Von Stieg and he um, he's very good he's very aggressive he just like flies out he makes a lot of block saves and he closes the angle really well and we're just like we're just different styles like that but like it works for him that works for him and um, and like mo hopefully most of the time that will work for me and 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 that's and it really is about what what you feel comfortable with and and, and what you go and uh, and next time a go coach tells me to come out like that, uh, which happens a lot of times because I'm small and they assume that if I stay back that I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna lose and I'm faster so I should just go down and smother the ball. I'm gonna say, hey, do you see what Jonathan Bond did against Portland for the LA Galaxy? <laughs> I'm gonna do that instead. So at Maccabi tryouts this weekend, that's what I'm gonna be doing. Um, there's um there's a good one that Matt Turner did. Um... In the MLS, I, I can't remember who it was against. It might have been Dallas, actually, where the guy was running in at angle and Matt stayed. Like, he didn't go and close him down. He actually stayed in his goal and the guy kind of didn't know fully what to do and he ended up shooting straight at him. It was like, it was a good save. But 
yeah, it's like you don't always have to like rush out and just close them down because I feel it, it, it does leave a little bit more up to chance. Obviously, there's always a time to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, Omar, anything you want to add before we, uh, we, we start wrapping up here? Uh, no, I, again, I mean, as, as, uh, Jonathan said there, I think whatever your instinct is, I think you go with it because you need to understand that, uh, in those split second moments, a half second for, you know, deliberation or, or, or struggling to figure out what you're going to do. It just puts you in a really disadvantageous position. But again, to a lot of this stuff and these decisions and the range of, you know, what balls you come for and all that stuff, I think you try out in training and you fine tune during training. So from a coach's perspective, try to you know create as many scenarios that we can fine tune and you mess up already in training and then offer the goalkeeper that uh, safe space to grow and ask questions and have them articulate why did I choose to do that? Why did I choose to stay? And I think, again, that's where the most, most growth happens is exposing them to these situations. They fail in training and then we discuss it. And then from there, come game day, yeah, different factors, different things. But by then you've already fine tuned certain instinctual decisions and Hopefully it comes a second nature and you can, again, you already retreated to your goal. You knew that's offering that space to let him bring the ball down. It did all that stuff so you can put yourself in the best uh, chance to make a save based on your attributes and based on things that you obviously are great at. Yeah, I, I think um, the co- that's why it's so important, the coaching at that, the age groups that, um, that you're dealing with because that's where they're, they're, they're learning those instinctual decisions. And then by the time you're kind of, a pro, like a professional 22 23 or whatever then you start making yeah. them without thinking um absolutely so, yeah yeah it's where they're formulating it are, are that is that it they're they're doing it without thinking now omar with your uh with your vegas lights not putting you on the spot or anything like that <laughs> uh no no i think but like the the thing now is is the goalkeeper that i'm working with and and obviously we're we're fine-tuning it but like we know that he's a great shot stopper. And I always tell him too, I'm like, dude, what, what you're doing instinctually is quality. Just keep doing what comes to you naturally. And now we're having a bigger picture now of like, okay, look, we're in close games. Now we really want to focus on game management. When do we play short? When do we go long? If we're tied 1-1 away from home trying to get a point, are you, are you still playing the concepts of what the team wants to play the ball short? Or are you going big? If you go big, are you finding the right channels? There's so many like, like IQ things that you can really do to, to, to manage a game and manage a result. And I think, for example, that's one thing you can't really train during training. It's just those game repetitions. But for me, I've had to be patient with these, you know, these results that aren't going our way, but not just throwing, you know, the book away, but more so like, Hey, what were you thinking in this situation? And now the next time he's presented with that situation, he says, I, I, we've already discussed this. I know what to do. So it's a bigger picture and not just the technical stuff and tactical stuff, but it's like decision-making, are you putting our team in the best position to win? If you are, fantastic. Let's do it. And if not, let's discuss why. Yeah, Bond- Bondi. But as we start wrapping up right here, you know, and, and first off, thanks, thanks for taking all the time, man. I mean, I know you're Absolutely. in the middle of the season right now, and uh, you know, obviously a lot going on and stuff. But this, I think, has been really informative for a lot of a lot of young goalkeepers and and young goalkeeper coaches who've been watching you kind of, you know, in MLS this past season and, and had a lot of these questions Um, is uh, for a lot of young goalkeepers out there who are having difficulty reading distance. Do you have any specific advice that you would give them? I mean, a lot of it starts with your starting position. So give yourself a chance to make a decision or at least make the right decision. Don't be too deep. Um, It's okay. You know, if you get it wrong a few times and you, I, I kind of, if, if you're talking about really young goalkeepers, then I would probably 
encourage more that, that they just go, you know, not go stupidly, but go and try and try and cut out the balls in behind, the through balls and give yourself a, the best chance of doing that. And then, you know, once you kind of, you've seen, you've made, you're going to have to make mistakes to grow and then you'll, you know, things, there are small things that can change, you know, if you're on a dry pitch, then you know, okay, the ball's going to check and stop for the striker over a wet pitch is going to, is going to run through obviously all the obvious things, but give yourself the best chance. Don't be, don't be too afraid of making mistakes with it. Um, re-triggers, re-triggers, you know, if players don't have the ball under control, then, you know, does that mean that you can come and close them? Does that mean you, you got, it gives you time to drop off and get in a better position? Um, but like Omar said, the main thing in, in one of the, the main things in goalkeeping is just make sure you're set when you're doing anything. When when the ball's about to be played as a through ball, don't be moving backwards. Be set, ready to go on the front foot. If someone's about to shoot, be set, obviously on both feet. And yeah, being set is is the key, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that right there just kind of sums it up. I mean, I think that's just, just some fantastic advice. Uh before we go right here, I'm just gonna I'm gonna try. It. So, uh, uh, our architecto uh, left some of his uh, bars right here. Let's see, uh, Omar, can you spit bars? Can you uh, can you drop bars? <laughs> no, 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 I can't. You can't. You can't. You can't do. You know what? <laughs> you know. Hey, but I do have I do have that Matt Turner save, by the way. Oh, you do. You want to pull it up? Okay, Dallas. Yeah, just, go and get it up. I do. Yeah. Real, okay. Real quick. All right. Let me yeah, pull yeah. it up real quick. This is the one you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you see, like, the guy is, is bearing down on goal pretty much. But, like, he's at an angle. That just stays, stays, stays. And the guy, he just kicks it straight. Like, it's not a great finish in the end. But he almost kind of calls the guy's bluff. He backs himself to save it. Um, mm-hmm. if, if he closes down the angle, the guy can maybe square it across or he can dink it or... You've only got to find the space in the goal and just hit it like relatively quick, maybe near post or whatever. But the guy's in the six yard box, and that's when then he's getting met. Uh, by and I just found it, I found it interesting because it's, it's similar to kind of like how I like to try and do things as well. But there, look, there's always a time and a place for closing down the line. And Matt could, Matt could close down the line there and make a block save, and we all say, What a great decision! He made a block save. But I'm just trying to say, like, that's not the only way. You can do it. Sometimes you can put more pressure on the striker by just waiting. Mm-hmm. I mean, Omar, I think you might be losing your job, dude. JB's got the breakdowns. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, he, everything you're saying is like, I mean, you call the bluff, I think, again, to, to articulate points as quickly as possible that make a huge impact. I think, again, calling the bluff of the striker sometimes, they don't know what they're doing most of the times. And I'm sure a lot of strikers could tell you, unless you're like Messi, Ronaldo, you know, top, top guys who, you know, are in those situations countless, countless times. But if you get those guys in scenarios, they panic and they overthink just as much as we do. And that's what frustrates frustrates me the most is don't give them the easy way out. The little dink, the, the place between your legs, dribbling around you. It's just, a la- in my opinion, a lack of, of discipline and stubbornness to be disciplined. You got to be so stubborn in the situations when, like, as, as Bonnie said earlier, like, I'm going to give myself the best chance to make a save. And that's going to be... How I'm gonna how I'm gonna go out. I'm not gonna leave things for chance. I'm not gonna turn my head. I'm not gonna go down early because you just got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, and you do that in training. Sorry, That's I was my just thinking for the day. 
I was just thinking right here because I was just looking at this like 121, sit behind the goalie bond, Sunday night soccer, call me when the game is on. That is why I'm not a rapper. <laughs> no one should ever. That's the oh clip that's going to That'll be the clip that'll be cut. That'll be on. Uh, that'll be on all the all the reels out there. Just need like, some auto tune is... or something. Yeah, there's an auto tune. Yeah, one twenty one. Sit behind the goalie ball. Sunday night oh soccer. God. Call me when the game is on. It's better. It's better. Architect, architecto. We're gonna do this together. Collab. That's what the kids say, right? Collab. Hey, his record. His his record label is gonna come for. Uh, <laughs> for residuals in the future, if you keep on, if you keep rest finishing those bars. <laughs> oh, dude, the best the best thing is that Bondi. Back in the day, uh, we uh, the the intro music was a uh, was uh, actually a friend of Omar's, and uh, we start we started using that music, and then we had to cut it off at a certain point because then we just we would literally get canceled if we like if we if we played <laughs> if we played the rest of it. So we had to yeah we had to yeah. change that up. <laughs> did that ever drop? Did that Omar? Did that ever drop? No, he's he's working on it. Sorry, my, one of my brother's friends. I mean, he's like, I want to drop the, the the album that I want to drop. It's got to be like, it's it's got to shake the world. And I'm like, dude, you just got to drop music. I you can't just tell me you're gonna try and drop twelve bangers on an album. It's not gonna happen. You got to drop one. <laughs> see if it goes crazy. If people like it, then you bring the. It's just. Oh, oh dude that's like I, I know this one person i know this one comic and they're like yeah i'm not gonna film a special until i got like a solid two hours i'm like yeah it's never gonna happen you're never gonna have that <laughs> you're never gonna have that two hours just uh Man, my, just film film that yo go ahead my hair no my hair is just going crazy right now i don't know how to fix it it's just Joe, well omar oh <laughs> uh, or sorry. do you have the stuff in the hair do you have the stuff in the hair no no i don't have it yet Bon, as you okay. can see, there was a, the other day I was talking to our head coach, and he was like, "Yeah, you got a little bald spot, bald spot growing in the back." And I was like, "Oh, sh okay." I need Just to shave it off. Just shave it all off. <laughs> no, no, no. I got, I got to keep it as long as I can. <laughs> Anyways, um, oh man, I was just gonna say, I have to drop promo code ProGK for uh, no, <laughs> for hims.com. <laughs> You just called them out without giving them out without uh without them paying us. Don't do that. Don't don't do, nah, give people fine, free ad, free ad reads right there. Um, well, Bondi, if people wanna people wanna connect with you, if they wanna um you know uh, find you at the match, um you know on social media, and uh, you hand them jerseys and things like that. You know, where's the best place for people to reach out to you on social? Uh, I guess my Instagram. Um, Jonathan Bond twenty three is so that would be. Just request me on there or direct message me on there, and I'll see it. I check them. I check them every few days. There's gonna be a lot of jersey requests. Not gonna lie, there's probably gonna be a lot. A <laughs> well, lot we'll of do jersey the, We'll requests. do this giveaway. I'll, I'll I'll put something out today as well. Um, there we go. Look yeah, at that. We just came up with something. Yeah, yeah. I need to do that. Really, I can get Raul to give me some shirts. <laughs> yeah. Or they're or they're just gonna have to put make an outfield player jersey with Bond on the back. I know, I, like I know. Yeah, that's a sad statement though when that starts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, guys. Obviously, you guys, you can reach out to Omar Zini at ProGK Academy underscore on all social media platforms, uh, at Goalkeeper Podcast on all social media platforms. If you have a guest suggestion or topic suggestion or contact at inside the 18 media.com if you want to know my tour dates michaelmagidcomedy.com is being updated or at michael Magid. Uh, make sure to check out the shows in la tuesdays and saturdays 8 30 p.m comedy in english that's all the time on inside the 18 and we are out later guys
Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we move on to our next segment, want to remind you all to rate and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Literally takes 10 seconds and immediately makes you eligible for prizes. If you don't have an iPhone, borrow a friend's iPhone. It's just that easy. Thanks for all the support, and on with the show. Welcome back to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid. With me is the one and only professor of goalkeeping himself, Omar Zini of Pro GK Academy. Uh, we're here still in Arizona doing some MLS preseason stuff. And honestly, we've been at the fields and uh, we've been catching so many goalkeepers, goalkeeper coaches. And then we realized there were people like on the sidelines that have a little bit of a history in goalkeeping too. And we're like, you know what, dude, we got to go that direction. So we got to get some of these people on. So we got Taryn Meyer and Alex Horwitz. Woth from Real Salt Lake. Uh, both Taryn and Alex actually are former goalkeepers. Uh, Taryn played at the collegiate level, Division One level, then got involved uh, on the other side, and Alex had a pretty illustrious professional career. Uh, well, hey, look, for the audience here, this is illustrious. It's an illustrious <laughs> career, dude. I mean, you spanned, all, you spanned the globe is the way I'd like. Uh, we were, like, talking about it. We're like, dude, like, Alex, Alex really... He's got to have some stories, dude. You got to have some stories <laughs> from your playing days, I've man. Got a couple of stories. <laughs> there's some stories. I don't know if they'll be shared today, but there's some <laughs> stories. Um, but honestly, guys, uh, this is actually a really cool idea because uh, when I was talking to Omar, I was like, you know, a lot of times we just talk about like goalkeeper training, and we just talk about like or playing as a, as a goalkeeper, and then a lot of kids just they don't realize that there's other ways to stay involved with the game after after you're done playing. So we kind of want to talk to you guys about that and kind of just talk about your journey and and how how you guys kind of got involved in other things outside of just goalkeeping and then kind of what goalkeeping brought to your whole journey. So first off, um, let's kind of just start with for our audience to know, kind of Taryn, like what do you do over at Real Salt Lake? I'm the senior manager of communications at Real Salt Lake, Real Monarchs, Utah Royals FC, and the RSL Academy. So I've got my hand in quite a few teams as well as our satellite facilities. So I help kind of develop the message both in the public sphere and digitally uh, to kind of really just grow our brand and let us not let the world know what we're all about and um, what Real Salt Lake means to not only our community in Utah, but around the country and around the world now. Wow, that sounds way more profound than I was. Just, I was just gonna say it's like I think he's the dude that runs the internet stuff. Like he's the all the internet stuff. Yeah, all, he's, all the web, all the social media stuff. And Alex, you actually just finished your playing career. You actually uh, just finished last year. You you spent your last season at Real Salt Lake, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah last year I, I actually I transitioned into a goalkeeper coach at the end of last year. I was the Monarchs coach, goalkeeper coach for the past, I guess it was the last three four months of the season. Um, but then officially retired in December and started my, my new role here as assistant technical director. Wow. Dude, that, that now see that when I, when I hear a title like assistant technical director, mm. I just think like, dude, this guy does way more than just goalkeeping. Like he, he knows like, you know, the in and outs of like playing actually the game. Like we were talking about that actually with, uh, with Todd Hofford yesterday. And I said one of my, my issues and, and Omar didn't, didn't say anything. So I, I'm guessing that he knows the game pretty well is that I, I feel <laughs> I don't really know the game as well as I think I do, and apparently uh, text messages go off as we're as we're recording. Um, it, but it is a thing. It's like I feel like I don't know the game as well as I I do uh, the goalkeeping side. I feel very comfortable talking to anybody at the about goalkeeping at any level, whether it's a you know a World Cup winner or you know whether it's a youth kid. But when it comes to field, dude, if like Kyle Beckerman came in here right now and he's like, so why don't you just talk about like what we should do is like holding midfielders like in the system of play? I'd be like, mm. I, I don't. Can you please <laughs> talk to Omar? Yeah. Talk no, to Omar. From your guys' uh, playing careers, how do you feel like – well, first off, I want to I know my, my own personal like question to you guys is 
once you guys realized that the dream or the career was over and you were going to transition, what was that thought process like? And uh, I'll start with you, Taryn. Like, how did you kind of come to terms with it's over now? What's the next part of my career going to look like? Uh, it was actually really funny. I got involved. This is I'm entering my ninth season at Real Salt Lake, believe it or not. I started in April of 2012, and I got involved Wait, before. Seriously? Yeah, nine seasons. 19, which is crazy. Dude, I, 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 <laughs> dude, you look, you look yeah. like 23. No, that's, dude. Uh, that's the crazy part is that before I even started college, I got involved with Brian Dunseth. And he he hooked it up with an internship. I, I actually played with a men's league with him. And I think we had a game Tuesday or Wednesday. By Thursday, I had the internship, and I wow. fell in love with it. I was working under Trey Fitzgerald, Sam Stasekul. You guys probably know who Sam Stasekul is. And yeah. now I've had uh, the opportunity to work under mass amounts of people. So I went to college, started playing, and I actually had a professional opportunity come up when I was a sophomore, just not a good time, and kind of turned it away. Um and kept playing, and by the time I, I got further into my college career, I kind of fell out of favor, and that's when I really knew that I wanted to be more involved and stay involved in educating people on soccer and helping to grow something I was a fan of, being from Utah and having RSL be my team. I was just really fortunate to be to be blunt about it, and I, something that I don't take for granted, but it was it was a tough transition when I finally hung up the boots or wrap the gloves up, so to speak. It was <laughs> it was tough because that's all, I, that's all I've ever known since I was about six, seven years old. For but, sure. Yeah. But <laughs> feel lucky that I still get to be in it. But I've heard, I've heard rumors that every once in a while <laughs> you put them back on. I'll put some gloves back on. I like playing in the field a little bit. I, I, I'm I'm reserved for playing in the field probably about once a month because then I'm sore for <laughs> I'm sore for about a week. So Alex, uh, how about you, man? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I've had a long career, but it it's always been in the back of my mind that it could end at any time. Um, I never, I mean, I think I signed a multi-year contract twice in my entire career. Um, so at any time, you know, it could have been done. Um, I've always, luckily for me, my parents always had me focus on education as well. Um, so as much as I love sport and I love soccer and goalkeeping, I always kept myself busy in other areas. Um, I actually started a, a college recruiting company four years ago now where I helped Scandinavian kids get scholarships to, to play division one or division two college soccer. Um, so I've always kind of dabbled in what I would do after. And then, I mean, like, like Taryn said, I got extremely lucky um, that I had a great relationship with Dan Egner, who's the technical director and Rob Zarcos, the president. Uh, and they saw something in me that I offered to the club. Um, so I just got very lucky with the transition and it's been, it's been a blessing to say the least. So for me, it's, yeah, it's always been in the back of my mind, and I've always kind of planned um, just in case. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's one of the real big things that, that you said that's really great is the just in case thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people they don't plan for that just in case. They they just they have that that mindset of like, well, you know what, I'm going to just keep playing, and then like, what are you going to do when you're done playing? Well, I'll figure it out then. Yeah. I'll figure it out yeah. then. I, I mean, the truth of the matter is, I mean, even guys in the MLS making good money there's not many guys in the world of football that make enough money to retire when they're done playing. So at some point in time, whether it's after college, after high school, or after, for me, a 10 year pro career, you have to start life. You have to support your family. You have to, you know, find a different path. Um, so I, that's advice I give to all the young kids at RSL as well. When I was in the locker room is take classes or do something just just do something on the yeah. side of on football because especially as a professional you're done at one o'clock every day you have <laughs> the rest of your day to to do something to prepare for your future so i think that's something that everybody really needs to think about you know 
Yeah. One thing I, I think uh, I just build off that, but yeah, I can, Mike always has these rundowns, and sometimes I read them, sometimes I don't. So don't, maybe don't, I may ask a question that he's gonna. Dude, be it's all good. I, I like I was telling Taryn earlier. I was like, the rundown is just like we're gonna go off on tangents, <laughs> and like we don't care. Like we might talk about like our top five goalkeepers, you know, because we were having that conversation over there, and uh, and honestly, I feel like that's gonna be a heated discussion. <laughs> we'll discuss it later, but uh, no, just Alex. What that point you just made is that you're. While you're still playing, you're having those discussions with the players. And even now, in a position where you have those life experiences that aren't just on the field, you have experiences you can share with kids who, let's say, for example, you know, they're coming through um, at a young age and they have all this promising talent, but they're not, they don't have that work ethic. Mm-hmm. So, again, can you just kind of share how your playing career and how, let's say, the ups and downs of your playing career has kind of shaped the mentality and the approach that you have as the uh, technical director? Yeah, I mean, look, I've never been – the highest recruited guy uh, I had two colleges offer me scholarships I had to fight I was a pool goalkeeper my first year I went down to the USL um, I took a chance and went to Europe I've never been the guy um, so I've always had to grind and I think that's going to transition well into this job I mean for me the only reason I've been able to play for 10 years is because I outworked everybody else mm-hmm. and that's the truth of it um, so for me I think those experiences you know, help me in, in that asset. Um, the other thing is I've had a ton of injuries in my career as well. And I think, you know, you have to learn to overcome difficulties. And even in a job as a technical director, I mean, we feel the losses just like the coaches and the players do. Yeah. Um, so we have to be able to maintain a level head and a, a positive attitude because there's always next week. Um, so I think all those things, and it's not just this job, but the football and the best part of sport in general is it teaches you life, life lessons, right? Yes, yeah. Whether it's how to work with teammates, whether it's, how to you know put in extra time to achieve a goal, but everything you're doing in sport should translate to life, and that's why it's so great for young kids to play sport as well. For sure, yeah, yeah. I want to talk to Taryn. I want to talk a little bit in regards to the fact that like getting involved on this uh, the communication side. Yeah. Do you feel that goalkeeping benefited you in being able to work on in in, in such a career? Because communications obviously it's very much personal dealing with people day sure. in and day out. Sure. And uh, as a goalkeeper, I mean, that's that's what we do. We organize, we're direct, we're communicating all the time, constantly. Do you feel that sometimes the fact that you had played at a high level as a goalkeeper made it easier for you to approach people that maybe you didn't necessarily know that well um, and immediately have to make a connection with them? Absolutely, and I think piggybacking on what Alex said, I think working in a team, and this is why it's so important for people to play in sports, is that working with a team to be able to communicate clearly and concisely into a level uh, of a broad range of people is incredibly important. I think being a goalkeeper, I mean, you're the only position on the field who can see everything at once, and you you are the director. Like you have your midfielders who are the, the engines and the strikers who make everything happen and yeah. defenders who keep it, everything solved, but you you really are the conductor and the director from, from front to back. And I think um, learning the communication as a goalkeeper definitely – help me because I've, I have to connect with a lot of people. Uh, my staff and I have to connect with a lot of people, players, staff, external fans, all sorts of media to be able to build relationships and, and educate people. And we have to do it in a very clear and concise manner. So yeah. I absolutely think so. I have a question for both of you guys here. And then this, you can go to Omar as well too, is that do you feel that the fact that like what all you guys are doing right now, um, do you feel the fact that you guys actually had a legitimate playing background has benefited you in regards to having a little bit more gravitas when you're discussing things with people who are players or coaches? Absolutely. I think one thing, and I, and I think this is just a generality here, I think this is kind of by default 
from playing is that when you look at people who write about soccer and they talk about soccer, not all of them have a soccer background. They just understand sports, so they're able to to learn and make their way through yeah. it. But Create a narrative, in a sense. Yeah. And create a narrative, yeah. right? But when you know the game and you're able to write about it and use the terminology, understand positions and principles and how a certain team wants to play, what an identity is, and I think that translates and helps further educate and inform the people around you. For yeah. sure. Alex? Yeah, I think something that gives me somewhat of an advantage um, or adds an asset to the club is that I understand not just the game, but more the the mentality of a player, the the locker room interactions and those type of things. I mean, our front office is, is a group of great guys and they've done a really good thing, good things. They found great players. Um, but I think, you know, myself and we also hired Tony Beltran, who's a, another RSL legend. Yeah. I think that we kind of give a different mindset because we've been in the players' shoes. We know what's important to them, um, whether it's, you know, small things in traveling or, you know, trainings or food at the facility or those type of things that really gives us kind of a, an advantage. And, and by us bringing that knowledge upstairs and maybe, you know, pointing it out to the powers, you know, of the club, it'll kind of enhance everybody's experience at the club and create a better environment. Dude, I love what you just said in regards to like little things like food and travel. Yeah, like sure. a lot of times people, the front office, like who've never been through that. Mm. They don't recognize that you're still talking about human beings here. And just those little things make that was a big, big thing with the MLS, with the CBA, obviously, it's mm. just improving standard of living in regards to travel and all, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. So when you have that empathy, I think that that carries a lot of yeah. weight with those players. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, RSL actually does. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been out there, but our facilities and the way we take care of players is, you know, second to none in the MLS. Um, so the big picture things, I think, you know, we're we're right there we're where we need yeah. to be. It's some things that, you know, unless you've been in that locker room and unless you've been a player, you just you can't know. Yeah. Um, so that's where we can kind of help and, and guide you know, the club in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Mike and I were talking about it yesterday that there have been a lot of, for lack of a better term, some guys in the, uh, like the U.S. national team system who don't get a lot of minutes, but you consistently see them in the pool over mm. and over and over. Yep. And Mike was like, it, it has something to say that there are guys who are glue guys who allow an understanding and, and chemistry of how to put a team in a position mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, in a position to always win week in and week out. So, again, how you, how you write up things and how you kind of paint the picture for your players and how they, how they look in the media. And likewise for you in the locker room, putting setting a precedence that like, yo, we've been on flights before where, you know, a red eye or something. Maybe that's not the best thing for a player. Let's try and get them an earlier flight or an early flight the next mm -hmm. morning. Right. So it's just those little, little things that, like you said, being in those playing experiences, you have empathy and you know exactly what is going through the, the player's mind so that that chemistry continues to build versus you're putting them on Bad, bad flights, the, the food isn't the proper food. I think you even said like they have food for vegans, they have food for pescatarians, they have food for yeah. everybody. And yeah. I think that's yeah. that's huge. The little things like that, little subtleties really, really allow players to only focus on the game, not have to focus on the outside uh, the world, I think. Please yeah. tell me there's like 30 dudes that have all different dietary restrictions. That <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I can tell you how many have no, dietary restrictions, like but, our, but our nutrition and sports science staff is actually incredible, and it's yeah. so far over my head. Uh, the numbers they're running and what they're looking at for guys to eat because guys want things specifically. But like you said, all the little things, yeah. uh, it's, it's really tangible yeah. at RSL out in here. Yeah, one last thing for you too is, well, one last thing, we have a few more minutes here, but um, when it comes to... I thought you were just 
just cutting it off right there. I was like, I was like, dude, is that it? Okay. All right. Uh, so when it comes to uh, your role, are you more hands-on with everything, or just goalkeeper specific? Are you? Because I know you said it, your role is very versatile. You have to kind of know a lot of things, whether it's a locker room things like that. But is it more goalkeeper centric, or do you kind of cover cover a lot of different? Uh, no, it's definitely it's definitely. I cover a broad spectrum of things. Um, and I mean, I'm trying to, you know, really help with the youth academy as well. Um, you know, we're still recruiting and, and looking at players for the first team. And then, I mean, obviously I know goalkeepers, you know, the best, and that's my area of expertise. So if, if there's something that I think, you know, we could do better then yeah, I'll focus on goalkeepers. But to be honest, man, we have a, we have a good thing going with the goalkeepers right now. So really it's just broad spectrum. Um, and trying to, to help when I can. Gotcha. How's that learning curve been for you? I think that's uh, a lot of us, especially too. I mean, I was in a college office a lot, and yeah. they, the coach would always ask me, hey, what do you think about this starting lineup? What do you think about that? I don't know if he actually listened to what I was saying, right. but he definitely <laughs> offered me the ability to, to think freely and allow myself yeah. to create a, a decision and, and kind of form an opinion on that. So for you, how's that learning curve been in terms of forming your opinion on things outside of just goalkeeping? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been in a, the biggest thing for me is, you know, in the MLS, there's so many numbers in terms of finances and stuff like that, that there's days where I just, yeah, that I'm just, (laughs) dude, I can't even, I mean, that's like, uh, Sam's got that, that podcast now, right? Like the allocation disorder one or whatever, just to explain it. That's been the hardest part for me is kind of adjusting that way. Um, the, my bosses and, and my colleagues have been fantastic at allowing me to voice my opinions and, and I think they take them seriously. Um, so I think, you know, it, the hardest part is just the little things, the numbers and that type of thing. But in terms of everything else in football, it's, you know, that's what I know. That's what I've yeah. done my entire life. Um, so as I'm lucky that they've given me the opportunity to speak freely. Um, but in terms of learning that, yeah, there's, there's things I need to learn how to, you know, change the way I think sometimes, but, I think my different perspective is is important and, and awesome, what brings yeah. value. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think in those environments, you have to be collaborative and you have to be malleable. The people at the top have to be malleable, and the people below have to be malleable. So, especially when building a roster with yeah. with your your sort of position, I think it's opinions matter. Yeah, for and sure. And you have to reach an agreement as to what's best for the group in the locker room and really ultimately the fans as well. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's one of the great parts about our front office is that everybody's allowed to voice their opinions and a lot of times we don't agree but at the end of the day we'll sit there hash it out and when we walk out we're all on the same page for yep. sure um, yep. and i think that's what has made us successful the past couple of years too many man i'm yeah. a galaxy fan again so i yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've known you guys all too well yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but no one thing uh we spoke to tim dittmer who is the head of the fa and we asked him you know when you have goalkeeper coaches that you guys hire for the fa well, do they have differences of opinion and he said one guy told me, Omar, do not, do not hire somebody who's going to be a conformist. You want to yeah, hire sure. people who are going to challenge your opinion because not only do you have to be reassured of what you feel and how you, how you create the curriculum or how you create your decision-making with players in the roster, but you also have to take their opinion you know, wholeheartedly and say, oh, wow, how can I use that to improve what, what I just said? For sure, man. So do you feel like for both of you guys maybe, I mean, I know for you it's maybe a little bit different. Different. Uh, different but different, the same. But similar. Yeah, very similar. But like for you guys, has that been challenging to – both kind of humble yourself with like you know you you've played professionally you know have an idea of what you know but getting other people's opinions and then sharing your own yeah to be honest no um because i respect everybody i work with so much and i know that i'm new um so i've i've enjoyed sometimes when i say something and somebody will counter it's been for me it's been really enriching to Mm. to be like yeah all right i didn't think about it that way that's 
yeah okay and then we'll roll that way so i don't think it's a challenge and maybe it's a it's a personality trait um but when you work with people that you respect and you know that they know what they're talking about as well i think it makes it very easy to open your mind and try yeah, to look at sure. things a different way yeah Great answer. by the way i i just want to say that like i feel like so completely unintelligent right now like taryn's using malleable alex is like so speaking so like coherently and articulate yeah. and like omar's got these like really profound questions and i'm just like where can i uh insert a joke um let's talk about goalkeeper coaching because yeah. that seems to be the number one thing that people think that they can do when they're done playing yeah and a lot of times a lot of guys or women they give up on on the game because they realize that coaching isn't the thing for me yeah so what what gravitated you guys towards your specific professions you know you you communications you know you you working in the front office like was it something that you went you know coaching isn't the thing i want to focus on right now or um you know this is actually what i want to do and i i've known this for a long time i've coached in my life and i love it and it's always been goalkeeper coaching um I love the technical side of goalkeeping. I love footwork. Um, but I, again, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, and I'm one of those people that maybe just coaching wasn't for me. I can educate and enjoy the game and help other people enjoy the game without coaching. And there's so many different avenues to do that, whether it's communications, wanting to be on the front office to build a roster, whether that's selling tickets, whether a street team and into I mean did you ever do street team did you ever no, do that? I, I, luckily I never had to do street <laughs> dude, team dude barking is I've done, I do the barking for my comedy show it is it is literally it's tough oh, it's, it's grassroots tough. and I think I think to an extent it's needed but there's so many different avenues to stay involved in the game and stay involved in in goalkeeping and I, and one thing that I, that happened to me when I started is as an intern I immediately started talking goal goalkeeping with like our coaching staff at the time I had Jason Christ and I was talking to him about it. Got to know Jeff Kassar really well. I mean, all the way through Alex showed up and we, I mean, we just hit it off and I get to learn from them uh, and their perspectives on, on goalkeeping and other, other aspects of the game. And I can relay that and translate that into my communication style, my group, our PR and digital group at a club. I talk with other clubs about stuff. So I th there's so many different avenues, and it's such a broad range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, um, I miss I miss coaching. To be honest, like that's still my passion. Like I said, I was the Monarchs goalkeeper coach for three months at the end of last season. Got himself a trophy out of it yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I was lucky to be able to work with Andrew Putna and David Ochoa, which was fantastic. Um, and, and I miss that aspect. I miss teaching the position, the you know, the intricacies of the of the position. Um, and influencing young people and developing them. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's not that I decided it was something that I wanted to go different, but this challenges me in a different way, which is very refreshing. Yep. Yep. Um, and it also, I have different priorities in life now. You know, I have a family, two, two very young kids, and this allows me more time at home, a little bit more stability yeah. in my life. Um, so those things. So I still, I still miss coaching. Uh, but I still love watching Todd Todd Hofford, you know, work out the goalkeepers and Mirza. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last Harambasic. name. Yeah, uh, and watch Mirza <laughs> Mirza with the goalkeepers and and see what they do and how you know the position and coaching has is evolving. You know, with and he's with taking the he's taking over the Monarchs position. Yeah, right? Mirza's Correct. taking over the Monarchs. So you know, it's it's fun watching those guys work, um, and it makes me miss it a little bit. But at the same time, if you know, there's different aspects, and and I enjoy the challenge, the mental challenge. Yeah of being in a different position. And that's what that's one thing I never really thought of until I really got into the nitty-gritty of working on the backside of a 
professional football team is the mental challenge of that because every time I go out to watch training and I have to go to every training I watch every session a lot of times I hang around the goalkeepers I'll be on the field hang around the goalkeepers and it's nostalgic for me because I I miss it I love it I want to be out there pinging balls making a save and, I, and, I would just show up in my tra- jersey and with like my like gloves and just be like, <laughs> look, look guys, in case. <laughs> yeah. see, I, don't, I don't miss the playing side of it at all, but <laughs> yeah, the I mean, coaching side of it I miss. Yeah. But I think the mental challenge is the biggest thing, and I think once you realize that maybe the playing days are over or whatever, you can miss it, but it also it makes you kind of want to work harder yeah. uh, in whatever field you decide yeah. or whatever avenue you take. I agree. I think that's like the biggest thing. So once I stopped playing, got into coaching, you kind of have to flip the switch in a sense where you have the player identity in you, but at the same time, too, the coaching side, you have to come at it from a completely different sure. yep. angle. And I think uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest pieces that I had to kind of like remember is how my coaches nurtured me and, and how they allowed me to fail and, and created kind of like a safe zone where I can mess up continuously, bounce back, and get better and better and better. So uh, from your recruiting side and then from you, like the write-ups and how you kind of you know talk about your goalkeepers and how you promote them, things like that, do you feel like your playing careers have kind of allowed you to like, kind of see the mentality for you, example, for example, if you want to you know, recruit somebody mm-hmm. who's young and you kind of have a conversation with them, do you feel like the, there are certain characteristics that you look for from, let's say, from your own playing career that you go, I've met this kind of guy before and I know he's going to be big versus somebody else, you kind of meet them and you go, it's not there yet, but I know there's something in there that we can find at RSL. Yeah, for sure. I mean that's the thing you've played long enough and I've played with, you know, I've been an old player now for five or six years and I see all the guys coming up through the homegrowns here. And then back when I was in Norway, I saw all the kids coming up through the Academy and it's funny to watch and you start to pick up on little character traits and you see, okay, this guy has this, he's done in two years. This guy has this. Okay. Now he's in Germany. You know what I mean? So those are definitely learning experiences that have helped me and will continue to help me, you know, during the recruiting process. Uh, But, with that being said, you know, players have changed. You know, the mindset of the player has changed completely since I was, you know, a young kid. Yeah. Um, so you still have to – everybody's different, man. You know, like, it's really weird. Like, everybody's different. It's almost like a gut feeling in that in that type yeah. of sense. Um, so you Instinct. can't – Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, like, yeah. some, some guys, you know, might be a little bit arrogant, and that would take him far, whereas another guy who's arrogant, that might end his career. Mm. Um, so it's almost like it's just a gut thing. And the longer you're around it, the more comfortable you are making those decisions. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just even just using an example right now in regards to like when both of you guys have to speak to different people in regards to what I'm saying of recruiting um, or you're communicating, trying to put a piece together. The fact that every human being is different. If you try to communicate with each person the same way you do with the last person, yeah. it's not going to work. You know, for instance, it's like if we try to do this podcast the same as we did with the last podcast or the last one, you know, it's not going to work because everyone is coming from a different standpoint. Everyone has a different point of view. Uh, I need to be burped, you know, like <laughs> a baby. Um, having trouble here. It's day four. Day four here. Try day twelve here in Arizona. Dude, is it day twelve for you guys here? Yeah, not me. You guys will be going. Yeah, I guess not uh, for me. It is. <laughs> Um, but I, I want to talk about, um, the, the, the advice that you give to a lot of people out there because both of you guys started early. You guys knew, Hey, you know, there's a big world out there. So is it business? Like, should you get a degree in business? Um, should you just find passions in, in college? And also for a lot of times, a lot of times nowadays kids, they're, they're going homegrown, but that doesn't mean that they can't keep, keep educating themselves or even going to school if they want to. Right. My biggest piece of advice is take a risk. Uh, learn, be a sponge, and 
and do things that are out of your comfort zone. And I think that's what helped me quite a bit, not only when I was a player, but now on the professional side. I think it's you take risks, you have an opinion, you stick to it, and you've, you're able to formulate an educated uh, decision yeah. in life. And you'll be amazed at how that transforms outside of work, yeah. family, and in all situations. So take risk and soak up everything you can and don't be afraid to make a mistake. I was hoping you were going to say like, "Well, just take like a uh, business 104 at this." <laughs> time. No, look, I look. The most experience I ever gained was interning for Real Salt Lake. Oh, I learned sure, more man. in my time as an intern than at school. Than at school, hands sure. down, and I will always stick to that. And I think I think education is important because it lays a foundation, but it doesn't always take you or give you the direction that you want to go because that direction, you don't know what that direction looks like until you're in it. And I was fortunate enough to have that direction and understand what the field looked like. And then I could translate this to that to school. So I think in a way for me, the professional environment helped me more than sitting in a classroom. That, honestly, that's amen, man. That's, that's, Dude, so true. that's and, yeah. that, and, and that's not true. a dig on anything. I just, that, that was the best for me. And some people may have another opinion and that's fine. But I think it, it was leaps and bounds more valuable for me than, than what any, any professor has ever told me. It's, 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 Dealing with reality rather than concept, I think, exactly. is kind of the same thing it is. And, exactly. And, and it's something that I, I stress a lot of times in goalkeeper education even is just that, yeah, you can come here and you can learn as much as you want at all these different conferences and everything like that. But if you don't apply it and you don't put the reps in back home at your club, like it's, exactly. it's not going to work. It's mm -hmm. not going to work. So um, One thing I'm going to say, I think from what I've noticed from both of you guys, it's just like the kind of awareness. And I think – um, talking to you yesterday and just talking to you about you being an RSL fan for a long time. Like, it's not just being an RSL fan, but it's like educating yourself on the ground floor of, of what this club is all about. And I think that allows you, again, I could use the word narrative, but like when you're in the communication side of things, you kind of form a narrative. And I feel like it's so invaluable that you're an RSL fan through and through. So you have the ability to understand what the club is all about, what the people are about, who's watching these games. So your write ups and the way you kind of, you know, portray the club is going to be a certain way because of. Your experience and, your and look, I've been, I've been a fan since. I mean, I told you. I remember the day the team was announced in '04. I remember all the names that were going to be selected. The first game in '05. I was a fan. I had season tickets, but I wanted to be involved. Yeah. So I've seen both sides of it. I've been in the locker rooms. I've seen, I've seen the front office. I've seen the how the decisions are made. I've seen how the fan base reacts. How yeah. the fans are educated and what their soccer background is in so many markets. And I think I like I've. Like I said, I try and be a sponge and appreciate everything across the board because I think if you're just gung-ho on one way yep. to do things and, and not see the full spectrum and the full the full picture, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Not to say that I'm a perfect example of that, <laughs> but I, I pride myself on trying to learn from all aspects of a club. For sure. Well, same with you, Alex. I think you know, even talking to you yesterday before training and even now, like you said, it's just – understanding that people you work with they they have points of, of, of value that they can offer you and in, sure. in your young career and especially too when you come from playing professionally sometimes you I'm not saying you but other players can feel like they know everything yep. and yep. sometimes we talked about it with Mike and I talk about it all the time is like sometimes the world has to show you what the, what reality is for sure before you can actually figure it out and yep. then there's some people who walk in knowing what the world is and go, you know what? I might take a step back, yep. allow other people to kind of guide me and allow me to make mistakes. And like you said, it's all about respect. If you don't have respect for people and they don't, and they're, what they're saying to you don't value, you're not going to listen. For sure. So I think for you, again, to anybody listening from what I got from you guys, especially you, Alex, it's just the awareness, knowing that when you step into a new environment, don't allow your ego, don't allow things to take precedence. 
take a step back because you're going to learn eventually. So why yep. not learn on, on, on your terms? For sure. Yeah. 100%. And I think it's unique in goalkeeping because you can't, if you're a goalkeeper and you get upset that you're not playing one week, but maybe you played the week before and you had an outstanding performance and you get dropped, uh, you can't go play right back. Mm. I think you need to understand and take it on the chin sometimes, and that goes for life. That's a great and, point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yet. you just have to learn. Like for I sure. said, you have to be malleable, and you have to you have to take it on the chin and and be able to learn and, and be aggressive and, and trying to better yourself and the people around you. Alex, I have a question for you real quick, and, yep. and that is the fact that you did have a career where you had trials and tribulations. It wasn't it wasn't always, you know, one street and it wasn't always for lack of a better term success, success, success. You had some failures as well too. Mm -hmm. Do you think that having all that life experience has prepared you better for being in the position you are now working in in the front office rather than if your career had just everything had gone the way you had envisioned it your entire life? Yeah, for sure because I understand to some degree what's going on in everybody's head in the locker room, not just the 11, 12, 13 guys that are playing on a regular basis. Um, so from that aspect, you know, I, I know what's going through the, the 18th guy on the roster who's going back and forth between the Monarchs and what we can probably do to help him feel better um, and know that he's still part of the group. Um, and then the other part of it is just, you know, knowing how to bounce back, man. I mean, yeah. so many guys, you see something happen and then that's it. They quit, they give up, you know, whereas I've had, look, man, I've had some major surgeries. I've had been cut. I've been dropped down levels. I've, you know, and then I've, you know, played in European championships and, and won trophies. So it's just that resilience that you learn in life and, and has nothing to do with this job. It's just a life lesson, isn't it? Yep. I mean, yeah. yep. I think, again, everything you do from sport can be translated to make you a better human being and more successful in life, whether that's being a better father, a better husband, um, or a better employee. For sure. I think that's the that's the like, biggest takeaway as well is just continuously be like while you're still playing too, just be curious. I think it, yeah. I think a lot of times uh, people again think that they're my, for me at least too. I thought I was going to play college, go pro, tore my ACL. Yeah. And I said, man, like I did not apply myself into other things yeah. and never really took away those life lessons while I was still playing. Yeah. So then again, the world and like how life works sometimes. You got to be knocked down. I'm not crying. My, my, my voice is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, dude, you sounded so dramatic about that. I was like, yeah. I was like, Omar, it's okay. Like, you've done okay for yourself afterwards. But like the, the world, you know, it, it, it shows you eventually if you don't come in with the right approach and you don't have proper fallback options and you don't educate yourself properly, when you want to kind of get into something new, you got to start from square one. Yeah, So again, sure. and, and to both of you guys and, and to Taryn, I'll ask you first and then I'll ask you how else is it. When you guys were playing, did you guys, again, as you started realizing, hey, this might not be, I'm kind of falling out of favor, this might not be what my future is, is held, did you start kind of having that awareness that like, okay, one eye on here just to finish this, this part of my life out, then one eye on the future? Do you feel like that really helped you kind of set the foundations of building blocks of where you are now? One of the best things I ever did for myself when I started to fall out of favor, and, and it was kind of in a circumstance that was hypocritical to what I was told at the beginning. Um, brought We brought in some goalkeepers, and we weren't very good at the time. I started falling out of favor, and we got scored on a bunch of times. I got scored on a bunch of times, and I got dropped, and, and other people didn't get dropped. And I think one of the best things I ever did for myself, and it wasn't easy, but I would always pick myself up. I would sh show up to training even though I wasn't going to play at the weekend. And I tried to be the best possible player in person I could be, not only for the locker room, but for myself. And I, and, like and, and I tried my absolute hardest to be the best and maybe go after a professional goal. 
Um, but knowing in the back of my mind, like you said, having one eye in one direction while I'm finishing out and staying stable. Uh, but I think if I just crumbled and just show up, showed up, went, went through the motions, I, I wouldn't be, I probably wouldn't be working for RSL. That's for sure. And I don't think I would have the awareness, um, that I, that I have now of, of people in the situation or if life, there's a situation at me like that, um, without doing that, I don't think I, I would have gone very far to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Alex. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was always looking towards the future. I mean, especially as a professional footballer, like I said, you're done at one o'clock and a lot of these guys will go home and take a nap and play video games until two in the morning and then wake up and do it all over again. I mean, for me, I just, I always personally needed a different challenge, um, a mental stimulation. Um, so for me, whether it was starting the business or doing coaching on the side or just doing something to enrich my life and my knowledge further, um, other than football was, was always important to me. And I think that's what kind of set me up for this, this role. And I think that's important though. And again, what I tell all the young kids is just do something, man. Just don't go home and sit on the sofa. I know that football is life and that that's your passion, but there's so much more. And again, it's going to end at some point in time, whether you make it or not, it's going to end and you're going to have to do something else. That's one promise I can make. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So (laughs) very few people make enough money to retire off of, of playing. Okay. So just do something, man. I don't care if it's, you know, working in a nursing home or, you know, interning at a club or whatever, just go do something that you can learn and challenge yourself in different areas. The other other part of that is if you're literally just football all the time, you're going to burn out by the time you're 22. Right. I can personally attest to that. Yeah, for sure. You have to, you have to have a, a very variation in the way you do things and, and what's going on in life. I know that for me as well, though, I mean, there was times in my career where I wasn't doing other things and I was ready to call it quits. I had to do things to kind of get my mind in other places. Yep. No, I mean, yeah. and I think, you know, one of the real, by the way, this is like one of the most cerebral episodes I feel like we've ever done. It's been done. a really, <laughs> good, <laughs> been a really, yeah. really good episode. Because you know, it was funny because we were like, we were talking about this before. We're like, this is a very different spin than the, the type of stuff that we usually do, which is, yeah. again, breaking down like technique or like, you know, like what was your experience like playing at this place or whatever. But we're like, you know what? No, I, th- I think a lot of the kids need to hear this because if, if just one little thing that you guys have said, you know, Basically, you know, in, I don't. I didn't want to say infects, but basically, like, resonates, yeah. yeah, resonates. Yeah. yeah, look, it's day four, dude. I'm just day twelve. You guys, you guys are miracle workers. Um, but uh, what I was trying to what I was trying to say is that um, I totally lost my train of thought. So maybe there's one thing that resonates with the people who are listening. To yes, this? Okay. one per, one <laughs> thing that resonates with the people that are listening to this is that make sure that you have outside interests. I had a 13 year old the other day, and I asked him. I said, what? What do you like to do? He's like, I like to do this. I'm like, what else? He's like, this man. This is it's all, it's all <laughs> about this. And I'm yeah. like, dude, like, like, like Taryn was saying, it's like, it's like, can't be all about this, dude. Like, nope. and even if it is all about this, then find other things. You know, I, I think that it's really important for a lot of the maybe a lot of the college kids out there listening, or you know, maybe some younger pros and stuff. Is spend some time in the office, man. See, see what's going on on that other side. And you know, maybe you're gonna say like, oh, you know what? I never saw it from that perspective before. There's something I can bring to the game here. Um, I think you guys have both found a way to keep benefiting the game in something that you bring to the table. I mean, one of the reasons that I I feel that I enjoy really doing the media side is because, like, I feel like – I mean, I enjoy coaching and everything like that, but, like, I feel like this is something where a lot of people can't do this, and I'm not saying I'm amazing or anything like that, but, like, I'm bringing something to the table different that can really benefit people. For sure. And, you know, you, Taryn, and you, Alex, are are doing that, so – I think uh, one last point, I think 
to anybody who's in the RSL or who is with the Galaxy or anybody who's in an academy system, really take advantage of the resources in front of you. I think even when I was with the Galaxy, it was still kind of one of those points. It was still early in the, in the development academy uh, phases where you were week in and week out. For me, at least, I was like fighting for my spot. So that was the only thing on my mind. So I never really thought about doing anything else other than just fighting for my spot in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday training sessions and then Saturday, Sunday games. Right. Yep. But when you're in those positions where Alex and Taryn, you guys – Ask them questions, you know, ask people who are the goalkeeper coach, say, hey, can I just shadow you for a youth session and just watch how you coach? Because, again, you might see something that sparks your mind, sparks your interest, and having those resources are so invaluable. Like, you guys are in positions, not because it was a handout, because you have things that you offer. So in your life experiences, young kids can also learn from your life experiences, not just on your day-to-day influence, but the actual things that you guys have gone through. I think that's a very... overlooked thing that a lot of young kids especially me when i was young didn't take advantage of that and now i see you know all the young kids out there i'm like just be curious and then act on those act on that curiosity figure out something you're interested in and see if in the rsl program or at an academy level ask the head coach can i ask you a little bit more about the tactics can i ask you a little bit more about this because you might hear something and you go you know what you will be so surprised yeah how open they are how when i started people are always open to helping you people if if academy kid came up and asked me i'd be impressed yeah like it would go a long way and then i'd view that kid in a different way for sure so definitely don't be afraid and like just be busy man just do things just go out and do things doesn't matter what it is just be busy yeah. And and one piece of advice that I would give to to kids out there listening, if you meet people in the world who have a goalkeeping background and are doing something that interests you, there's a direct connection right there yeah. that you're going to be able to connect with this person and the fact that you guys both understand goalkeeping might be that little that little olive branch that's going to allow that relationship to start to begin and maybe you're going to a little bit learn something else outside of goalkeeping from that person, sure. you know? Yeah. yeah. We've been going for a little longer. Yeah, so dude. We, we went longer than we, we – we're at 41 mm-hmm. right now, and like, I was freaking out because we went – Wow. said 20, I 30 minutes. We were going that long. Oh, no, dude. We, we had one where uh, they said they'd give us 15 minutes and then go an hour and 15. So, oh, it's know, I mean, Sometimes we just get going, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, and honestly, it's so, it's so crazy because, like, you know, we can always edit this out to, to be just, you know, the solid thing so it's not just me stuttering the whole time or me just saying how tired I am, um, but more just, like, the profound things that you guys are saying. So, uh, so it'll, it'll end up somewhere between, like, you know, 30. 35 to 40. Should we keep that in the episode? That's this, fine. Yeah, we'll keep I, that I'm going to say one last thing just before I, I stop talking. <laughs> I think, again, just to finish it off, and, and I think in life there are so many people who are so close to you, whether it's you know your parents or your grandparents, that all have so many life experiences and so much valuable uh, information to help you with. Like my mom, sometimes I would come home crying from school about – you know, this girl didn't, uh, it was like, it's dating my friend now. And she'd be like, Omar, this happened to me when I was younger. This is how I reacted to it. And then I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, I never thought my mom would offer that resource. And then, like, my coach, I'd be like, hey, coach, you know, uh, I got dropped by my, my goalkeeper coach in college. What do I do? Omar, in college, I was actually the third choice keeper. I worked my butt off, two injuries, and I became the number one. Just don't, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like, little things yeah. like that where you just be okay to share your stories with other people. And, again, like you said, if somebody came up to you in the academy system and said, hey, Hey, Alex, I have a question about, you know, this position. How do, how do I get this technical thing, whatever? And then you have something to give to them. And you're like, wow, you learned something from them. And then likewise, too, your experiences are now passed on to the next generation. So I rambled there, but that's kind of what I'm trying to get across is keep asking questions. Don't ever yeah. think 
Stupid question is a stupid question. Uh, you're going to get a good There's answer. There's no such thing as a stupid question. No. Speaking of no, no such thing as a stupid question, I'm going to ask you guys because you guys have a lot of, um, you know, obviously experience with this because you guys work long hours, um, is the fact that I'm crashing right now because I had no caffeine this morning. I'm pretty sure that's the reason. <laughs> I feel you. Dude, I usually, every morning I <laughs> yeah, usually this dude's have, always got a cup of coffee. Dude, I I'm about eight cups a day, so. This was the first day this ta- during this trip that I got no caffeine this morning, and I'm really feeling it right yeah, now. I believe you. Like, Omar's had to carry this entire episode because I'm just like, what? <laughs> we, all, we all have our vices. Right. Dude, is there really? Oh, dude, like, we might have to do that. Yeah. Well, for you guys, any last points of advice uh, from your own experiences or, I guess, the topics of this episode? Is there anything that you would look into the camera right now? Because we use these little pieces. I want to use this like as a master class. You know how like they have those master classes that they put up on like Facebook and stuff like that? Like There's a master communications class right here, a master like, you know, front office class right here. I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, master class. So we'll... Uh, We'll get there one day. We'll get there. I just think one, like I think you you kind of said it is is be malleable, take risks, take it on the chin, get up, uh, be confident, and be willing to learn and be the best that you can be for the people around you. I think uh, you won't grow unless the people around you grow. And and that's again you can tie it back to goalkeeping, any sort of team sport. Um, if you're good, if you're good for everybody around you, you're going to be a good player and a and a good person. So. Goalkeeping taught me that, and uh, yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Alex, sure. any, anything uh, else? I think Omar said it great. I think just be curious, you know, diversify your knowledge. Don't be stuck just in the football mentality mindset. Go out, learn different things, meet different people, and all that will come back to help make you a better football player in the long run as well. So just go out and do things. Don't sit home and, and be boring. So, and we're fortunate. We actually have a pretty solid fan base in the in the in the Utah area, and uh, obviously a lot of them are big RSL fans. And honestly, one of the reasons so. one of the reasons <laughs> a lot of them found out about us is because you know we were initially that first trip to Arizona last right. year when yeah. uh, when we had Nikki and and Todd and putting and all yep. that stuff on. So um, if anybody's interested in getting involved with RSL if there's any kids out there who yeah. are interested in internships and that sort of thing and learning what kind of the ropes of what, what you guys do behind the scenes like yeah. where's the best place for them to reach out uh, email on rsl.com our emails are all on there uh, you can find me a bit easier um, happy to reach out on social media I don't know do you have social media I do you do yeah. reach out to one of us we're always open Dude, my favorite about uh, Alex is like the difference between like his uh, his professional social media and like his personal social media. Like this professional is like it's like very serious, it's very professional. Yeah. And then like his like it's like hey, and I'm like I'm like oh look at Alex is smiling right there. Yeah, it, ha- it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a wife and kids get it out of you. <laughs> it's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. My wife, I still think is the funniest person I know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, man. that's a shout out to her. I had to, yeah, we got to send her that soundbite right there. I have to say it. We got to sound. We got to see her at Wise Guys in Salt Lake, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, we love Wise Guys. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. I think again, uh, Mike and I always talk about it. We we spend a lot of time in the car together, so we talk about yeah. a lot of like the people that we have on the show. And sometimes, you know, we have people who don't really offer too much. They're they're you know they they say whatever they want to say, but it's not, they don't really tie it into like life experiences. And I feel like today. You guys really tied everything into just life in general and how important those life lessons are, not just you said on the field but off the field as well and how that can transition you from being a good goalkeeper to a great front office, great person on, on the communications, which I think – I feel, man. We talked about a lot of like stuff. I think you'll be in the front office one of these days too. So I'm, I'm hoping that. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, I think that, thank that you. I hope so. 
Hopefully he hires you when he's there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I trust we were, him. We were I like him. We're I like just trying to keep my job for now, man. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were joking yesterday. We were like, we're like, pretty sure Alex is going to run uh, an MLS team one day. Like, it's just, <laughs> great, man. Just we'll gonna, see. I got a lot to learn, though. I got a lot to learn. So. The next Garth Lagerway, dude. Yeah. There you go. That's the awareness we talk about. So that's, yeah. so again, thank you, guys. I mean, that's yeah. been an awesome episode. We're for sure, guys. Um, remember, guys, contact Inside the 18 Media. If you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion, keep sending in those iTunes reviews. It really helps that people find us. The more reviews we get, the easier we are in the searches. Make sure that you're leaving your social media handle in those reviews so we can send you your prize. And that's all the time on Inside. We're out. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.